too was that there was obviously this this blitz chung thing where he went out and when i was like hey free hong kong she's whack and then um uh shit got weird and people got really angry at, at blizzard and then they were like oh we need to fucking we need to make sure that people aren't angry with us anymore so uh announce uh overwatch 2 electric boogaloo and they did and then what happened is that uh no one uh was like at blizzard was prepared for this game the designs weren't there like they gave fucking genji a hoodie and called it a day uh shit was fucking atrocious and then the director of overwatch uh quit and it was the most like normally when a person of like of, of stature in in blizzard leaves there's always like a little oh we wish this person the best or they have been with us for so long and now they are moving out to uh to expand the horizons and their creative endeavors but with him it was just like yeah he, he he's done and it's just like it's it's stunk far far away of him going what the fuck do you mean i have a year or two to make a D- overwatch 2 i can barely make overwatch 1 <laughs> i i don't know if that's actually how it happened but i'll take your word for it my understanding of the whole thing was just they potentially had the idea going forward like ahead but they like launched it prematurely to like you know, settle the backlash. Oh, I, oh, I oh, want to yeah. give the benefit of the... I, I don't know if it was, like, from the ground up. No, of, of, co- like of course not. Like, they, they you know, like, if that was at all what, what came through, then obviously, no. Like, obviously, they, they, they must have had something, but it got kicked out the door way, way. sooner than it was ready for. Because, like, I remember, like, that was around the same time they announced, like, another Diablo game as well on top yeah. of that. Do you think that would have been enough? But it's like, I mean, like, they they had a really good cinematic, um, but, like, my idea was just the, uh, I, you hear, you see a lot of things happen, like, people are, you have, like, the one side who was, like, a fucking course, and there's the other side, like, trying to, like, uh, you know, excuse it, and I'm like, I'm still, I'm still here, because, like, I talked about this right before we plus press play. Like, wasn't Overwatch supposed to be, like, a games-as-a-service? It had, like, a 10-year plan sort of thing, like Destiny? Wasn't mm. that supposed to be the idea? Mm. So isn't, doesn't, like, Overwatch 2 defeat that as a purpose, or... I, I, I actually, f- I actually think that Overwatch 1 has been out for over a year. I'm not entirely sure. Wait, Overwatch one been out what? for a year. Overwatch no, one's no, been no, out. Ten, ten years, oh, Overwatch. Ten years. Oh, oh, ten. Uh, I think it's only been out for like six. Yeah, let me check. Yeah, because Overwatch, because because Overwatch annoys me. Mm-hmm. It annoys me to the fact that I I I I'll take a hot take and I hate anything that features any character from Overwatch. <laughs> on the basis of like the day before it even launched. There was an abounded amount of merchandise already produced. There was a ridiculous number of advertisements. It was so overhyped to the point that I could not stand it. 
I oh, yeah. could not stand it at all. It came out and in it, 2016, so yeah, I'm totally off base. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, so we're we're talking five years, we're talking five yeah. years of Overwatch. And the thing is that what they should done, what they should do with Overwatch, and is what they did with League of Legends, is it's continually changing, evolving game. Because, like them or not, Riot's got a good plan there. It's not yeah. it's not pay to win. It's mm-hmm. you you pay for the skins you want. There is a loot box system, but that is so minor that and the skins and stuff they they offer are also purchasable. But there also have some some stuff that is locked behind a loot box system. But you're, there's no pressure to dive into that for like the cool skin. So if I want to have Nidalee in a maid outfit. I just have to buy the maid outfit. I don't have to buy the, like fifteen, <laughs> like fifteen dozen loot boxes for the chance to get like three shards out of a ten shard necessary to get Nidalee in the maid outfit, right? Oh, yeah. So, so on that on that note, I think Riot did it right for when you want to have a game competitive like this that you don't announce an Overwatch two in response to a variety of different controversies going on, that's just really bad deflection and really terrible marketing. No, Blizzard deflecting, get out of town. I'm trying to remember, like, like Overwatch was definitely one of the games, like, sparked the whole loot box controversy that, like, got EA on the map that, like, started getting a bunch of people. I don't know how the hell that investigation got. I think the other one was, like, Shadows of Mordor. Like well, because if I the worst loot box one, I th- uh, the one that I think started everything, the the entire loot box controversy thing so was act was Star Wars yeah. with EA, because everything was hidden behind a loot box. The loot box was the pay to win thing. You'd get weapons, chances for heroes, and other stuff that should be unlockable through gameplay. Not I want to lo- I want to dump two hundred extra dollars on this, which which it, it reminds me, it reminds me of seeing a picture of like. Christmas season 2018. I think it was 2018. Where the only games that were not sold off the shelves were Star Wars Battlefront by EA and Sonic Forces. Ha! Oh, I remember that now. Because I saw that picture and I, and despite being a big Sonic fan, I fucking laughed. (laughs) Uh... Wasted plastic. That's honestly hilarious to me. <laughs> oh no, it was. F- it's freaking hilarious. I still chuckle at it, and I'm like, uh, Sega, why you do this? The first went- the- <laughs> go- go on. I was gonna say because it's like you got one with a loot box system, and you have a ter- then you have a terrible game. You have a rabid fan base for both, and neither of them wants your shitty product. <laughs> That's honestly really corny. The the first Western game to incorporate loot boxes on a major scale was Team Fortress Two, actually. Really? Oh, was really? Way, was way back in late two thousand and ten, and then uh, in two thousand and let's see here, yeah, uh, two thousand four Maple Story with the Gachapon system was really yeah. rough. And that was like an MMO. I remember it got real bad in around. Uh, it also says here in the report that uh, games such as FIFA and Madden had like the 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 whole uh, ultimate team thing where you could buy like packets of 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 player cards or whatever the fuck. Uh, but 
uh, it was definitely there before Battlefront, but I think like Battlefront Two was where it was just like this is egregious, like this is yeah. this is disgusting. You, can, I can barely play the fucking game without the, having to spend extra money for this on top of paying for like fi- like fifty dollars or sixty dollars for the video game. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, it's but, such a weird system. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, hi everyone, in case you're wondering, uh, what the third voice you're currently hearing is, uh, DR, why don't you introduce yourself? Everyone, I am DR, the art god, with no followers. Um, I do, uh, semi-entertaining content on my Twitch channel. I also, uh, post my art on my various, uh, Twitter feeds that include, among other things, uh, Deck Real Studios, uh, Marshall Star, as well as I do have a not safe for work one, but I'm not going to add, not going to plug that here yet, um, or at all. Um, I also do the Twitch streams on uh, Twitch. Uh, what is my thing? I keep forgetting my thing. Twitch.tv slash Draco Raylin. Uh, you can find me there, and you can pretty much find me hanging out on the Discord as the first official Mad Lad of the day. Yeah, the um, first official so Mad Lad. I was so supposed to I, take off that, like, roll, like, a no, year don't, ago. No, don't, don't. It's, like, my only claim to fame. I even had, like, a <laughs> screenshot of it. I was so proud. I know. I'm mean, like, it should have been for the day, but I'm like, you know what? Just keep it. It's, you earned it. <laughs> oh. uh, and, and, of course, we also got Cloudy Days. Hello. And I'm here. I, uh, no, Cloudy, it's I, actually Cla- rather... Go on. I was going to say, it's actually rather sunny outside for me. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, no, it's, it's actually it's actually pretty it's actually pretty cloudy out here right now. I'm kind of hogging them all to myself because I hate the heat wave we had like a couple week a couple days ago. It was rough. Hey, why not? I why not enjoy 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 it while it lasts. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, cloudy. I don't think we need more introduction than this. So I, th- this is our podcast. I think people at this point know who we are. <laughs> this episode like five, I think. Shit. I think so. We did not drop it after the first episode. I'm proud of you. No, Good job. But, but, but we did have to cancel a week. <laughs> okay, okay, you canceled a week, and this is what, your seventh episode-ish? Actually, no, I think it is five. Is it five? I thought we were up to six. I thought we were up to six or seven. I thought the I thought last week's was six. I'm going to check the red circle <laughs> quick as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Believe me, I know the feeling about it's like. Wait, I I have no con- I have no concept of the sense of time moving anymore. What day is it? Who are you? Who am I? Where am I? That that got really well, bad. Like during the whole like pandemic thing where we had to oh, be like yeah. stay at home. It was just like, what oh, fucking day is it? Oh, you have <laughs> no idea. I I I find my I find myself very fortunate that I ended up getting through last year. Um, as uh with with as little like financial strain as possible because I was luckily enough uh, my co- our company got bought out before I quit so I got money and then I dipped and that was enough money to survive all of 2020 uh, <laughs> the negative part of that is like I ended up waking up I was like wait what day is it oh crap it's Saturday I'm supposed to be in Salina and I was supposed to be in Salina about an hour ago <laughs> oh, that reminds me of that fucking uh, meme of that guy who's like Oh my god, I'm late for school! And then he's like, oh, wait, 
I'm, f- I'm 37 years old. And then he goes back to bed. And then he wakes up. Holy shit, I'm a teacher! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That, um, is, that is effectively what it becomes. That is effectively yeah. what it becomes. Man, that, like... I think at the, that's the start of the pandemic. I actually... I got... I, got, I like, f- like, front-loaded all of my pandemic stress in, like, the first month. Because, like, like, I had, like, my first remote job. I caught COVID... And I did, like, my first unlimited overtime run and nearly killed myself working. But after that, everything else was, like, copacetic. I kind of just, I, I made just enough money to pay off the last of my student debt in one shot. So I did. And then, like, after that, I was just, I think I literally just, like, passed out for between, like, July and December. Because after that point, I, I worked so hard, I didn't want to get out of bed ever again. I remember I that there was a point where you just like fell off the fucking map. I did, I did actually. <laughs> I think a lot of people did. I mean, I know for I know for a fact that I I dipped off of uh, I I dipped off of Facebook and Twitter uh, pretty much like for most of 2020. I just kind of like settled into a couple of Discord groups and used that to help keep my sanity for as good or as for as good as or ill as that happened. Uh, what, what was I thinking about? I I remember it was around. Uh, I, I think it was like slightly before the whole like pandemic and lockdown thing, where we had the whole um, uh, donation drive for my computer. And uh, I remember I uh, I was talking with Simon, the guy who built the computer, and was like, uh, and, and and he he was asking, okay, Ryzen, what do you want? Do you want us to uh, give you a really good CPU, or do you want us to get you a really good graphics card? Because you can you can have you can have one, you can have both. And at the time, I was just like, "Oh, give me a fucking good processor." Uh, now that you can't get a fucking GPU worth worth a shit, <laughs> I'm like, I'm the dumbest person on planet Earth. Oh god, I know that feeling so fucking hard. Uh, listen, I've I've been running on the same fucking AMD Fire Pro W like five one fifty one hundred for like since two thousand four, and this shit is like was like mid tier way back then. And I always told myself oh, I'll just update it, but now you got all these fucking crypto assholes like buying up all the GPUs for the shitty farms, and like I can't buy anything. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't play any game more intensive than TF2. I can't render a video on Blender. I get so goddamn salty. I because like now I'm at a point where I, like I want to upgrade, and it's actually cheaper just to buy an entire pre-built rig just for the fucking graphics card. It's it's ridiculous. I think I think the crypto thing's still just kind of a big like fad. It's going to phase out eventually once people realize, oh, there's really nothing here. Oh yeah, that's my hot take. That's my super hot take. It's like the NFT craze, or uh, from like a couple months ago. Like, oh, oh, yeah. what happened to that? Nothing. Like it oh, fell people, apart. People found out that NFTs are a big fucking Ponzi scheme. That's what happened. Yeah, and people made fucking bank on it too. And that's like, I kind of wish I would have gotten in on that scheme too. I would have sold some stuff that I technically now. This is really this would have been a really dick move. I didn't do any of this. So full disclaimer, I wouldn't have done any of this. I seriously consider is like, you know what? I want to take some stuff that's not technically mine. I want to sell the digital data of this image to someone for a ridiculous for a ridiculous load of money, and then laugh all the way to the bank. 
Because that's how you can fucking do it, which is fucking yeah. stupid. Lasa, I want to put this into perspective. There was a point in time where it was actually in the middle of the works to like making an NFT of the default cube you get in Blender. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I was just gonna make a cube. I was gonna render it, and I was gonna put Nick Cage's face on it, and then just sell yeah. that. But anyway. I mean, no, honestly, you could probably just sell that like the workshop for like three bucks and you don't make a mint. I mean, come on, it's Nick Cage. Who doesn't like Nick Cage? But yeah, no, it's like uh, a lot of shit that happened is like a big, fat, big, dumb fad that shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, it's this is a majority of a whole bunch of stuff, to be honest. I, I am um, literally too stupid to understand how crypto works. I've had it explained to me like five, eight times or something. And every time it's just like... I, you, you know how when, when you're like reading a book and you start like re- reading the sentences and at one point you just catch yourself going, wait, I haven't fucking caught anything. My, like my eyes have moved, but I haven't caught anything I just read. I've just okay, been on fucking it's autopilot. The, it's like that moment where you're like, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, and you realize what the hell's going on? Yeah, exactly. Okay, you, so, start go- you have to go back like three pages to find out. Like, I have no idea what the fuck I just read for the last ten minutes. Yeah, what exactly. the hell is going on here? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain this to you as simply as possible. It's a like the large portion of crypto is money laundering, plain and simple. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, okay. I'm not even. I thought you were going to say this. I thought you were going to say this. I will explain it to you very simply. Blockchains, boom. Oh, God, no, I hate... Okay, okay, real quick, there was, like, a report where, like, there was an iced tea in, like, Florida who just put blockchain... They sold it as blockchain iced tea, and they got, like, three times the amount of profits they did for that year because of that fucking name change. Well, that's... That's, that's, that's pandering... That's, okay, that... I would argue that's, that's, that's dumb, for one. But yeah. that's pandering to a group of people who are obsessing... Who, who I would argue are borderline obsessing over stuff that don't completely understand yeah. it would be the same thing as if you say it's like okay we're going to call this the godzilla burger and then all of a sudden you sell out of everything you know in like a day because you put the word godzilla in front of a burger that's basically no different than any other burger really that's literally, that's literally all it is it's just marketing now um, i will give people credit when they make a godzilla burger it's an actual monster of a burger so i appreciate <laughs> the effort and i have had numerous godzilla themed burgers yes Sorry, I just got in the mood for one. But anyway, Lhasa, um, the, the way I'm going to explain to you, I want you to imagine, like, I'm holding a U.S. dollar and you have, like, a Danish crumb, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine, like, today, if I buy your Danish crone, I get, like, 100 Danish crones for, like, $1. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I hold on to that. And then suddenly, the Danish crone is worth way more the next day. I sell my Danish crones to you back and I get, like, $2 back. That's basically the mentality people... That's what they think crypto is, and that's why it's so popular. The reality is so much more complex, and it's just a lot of wool being thrown to people's eyes that people are getting taken advantage of, because they think they put money into this box, they wait, and they take money, more money out, but there's never anything backing it. It's like, it's just exchanging money, hoping it grows more, and then just taking it all back, trying to, like... like a buy out of other people's hype. But so, like that's it's all money laundering at the end of the day. What what that's what I what I kind of compare it to 
is about why we give certain value to things because the, the whole point of crypto which this we're i'm completely outside of my depth here but this is my this is my hot take on it the whole thing with crypto is there's no actual worth backing it other than the value people tie to it it's effectively the same reason that gold and diamonds are so expensive or are so much value is because people put value onto them but the difference is that while the argument for diamonds and gold is that they are very rare min minerals compared to like sandstone, that, you know, that's that gives an excuse for their value. Well, not really, but, you know, whatever. But the thing with crypto is that there's there's nothing backing it other than what people say it's worth. And when people say it's worth a lot, people will tend to uh, agree to that unless they unless they come to the realization this isn't worth jack crap. And then they decide to freaking sell off everything, and then you get a bunch of crypto scams. Which I was—I've been watching Coffeezilla a lot lately, going over. Scams oh, me too. And, stuff. and yeah. the, the, the Save the Kids token, which went from like really expensive, now it's worth zero. But it was like a huge fucking scam with a bunch of these like Phase uh, Kids and Rice Gum and a bunch of other people that some people went into it like you know this is a good charity kind of thing. Others went into it, it's like, I want to make fucking money off, it's a crypto dollar. Others, it's a scam. I want to rip you off and take my money and run. Yeah. Well, so I think we talked about, like, the Save the Kids token a little bit on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. We, we, we touched on it briefly, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's but it's basically, it, it's basically that. It's this, like, big sensationalist thing where you put money in, you expect it to grow, and then you, and then you, like, take it out and get more money out of it. It is, uh, yeah, uh, the wench explains it in the chat pretty well. Like, you buy it when it's cheap, more people buy into it, there's more money in the pot, the value goes up because demand has gone up, so you sell yours for way more than you bought them for. Yeah. It's people think that's a principle, but like oh but like in the reality it's just a large portion of it is like scams because there's nothing backing it except for the people putting money into it. Like Bitcoin has like a has like a functional purpose behind it. That's why it's so expensive. It's like it's basically using your computer's man like electricity hours to like decode a certain encryption. And then when you have that encryption done, that is the coin that's been uh made. It's like a key that you can use to like figure out a password. That's that's what Bitcoin does. It has a value. Yeah. So you uh, so that, you that open the loot box. Oh yeah, yeah no, no, definitely. That's that's basically it. That's basically the same fucking mentality. It's like loot boxes, but money. Mm. But the but the one who usually wins are the one who mint the fucking crypto to begin with. Here's it's the, all it's all ass. At the here, end of the here, you guys, you guys want a, a, a story about when I was working for an uh, internet company? Not not even not even like two years ago would have been about be about the right time. So we, when I worked for an internet company, I worked tech support, which is the most soul-draining job ever. But uh, we got calls from a family that the mother was calling in saying, it's like, you know, our internet drops out at 3 a.m. every morning, and I, I want to know why. What's wrong with my internet? What's wrong with my internet? And, you know, basically being a demanding, entitled customer and all that shit. So we, we don't know because we're not finding anything problems with it because it only happens at 3 a.m. Well, we find out through conversation that, her sons are up late at night mining Bitcoin. Oh God! At three a.m., which is actually a good idea because there's not a lot of traffic on at three a.m., so you can get a lot, a lot. There's a lot, little bit more bandwidth to go around, so it's not a bad idea. But 
And we kind of told her that, that that's probably why they're capping it. She wasn't able to put two and two together. So she said that couldn't possibly it because they're the ones complaining about the internet going down. I'm like, okay, we're like, okay, fine. So what we did is we graph it. When we would graph something, we would actually watch your usage. We wouldn't see what sites you go to because that's a privacy issue and we didn't deal with any of that. But we would see how much speed you're using, um, how much, how fast it's going. We'd actually just see how much you're using and if the signal's bouncing up and down during that time. And we graphed it for, for a couple of weeks. Well, sure enough, every time at 3 a.m. when they started their Bitcoin, their Bitcoin mining, their internet usage capped at like 50 meg at the time. So it's like, no, ma'am, you have to understand, they are mining Bitcoin. That takes an enormous amount of internet and processing power. So the reason your internet is stopping is because they're mining Bitcoin. So get them to stop mining Bitcoin and your internet will work fine, we promise. It was such a, it's such a weird thing when people don't understand, can't put two and two together about how their stuff works. It's really kind of why I'm glad I left the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sorry because like this, this this sounds like something I had to do like at a different company. But lastly, you were gonna say. Uh, now I was just uh like looking at the uh long list that Dia has provided us with of, uh, <laughs> of subjects that he wanted to talk about. And I'm well, no, 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 as- they're not. They're not that I want to talk about them. That I can talk about them with some fluency and some. You know, oh. like some information for I'm not just bullshitting out my out my feet. You know, yeah, I get that. Uh, but there was one that I was a little interested in hearing you guys' take on, which was the whole magic systems in fiction. Ah, um, yes, because uh, I know that. So I don't know of uh, like I I haven't read it or seen it. Or well, I've seen like ten episodes or something, but I have not read it. Uh, or seen it in any sort of depth, deep capacity, but I uh, have heard, and I think you know of this, Cloudy, that Hunter x Hunter has one of the most <laughs> insane, in-depth magic systems in fiction. Oh, so uh, the the manga itself is literally just, it's just like there, there's entire chapters where the where the guy. Like Togashi spent so more time writing the dialogue, explaining each intricate facet of how these powers work, and and then just the and then there's just a couple panels of it all like playing going into motion. It is like Hunter x Hunter is the equivalent of every like person's uh, it's like every person's OC being put pit against each other, and they're just going uh, like higher and higher into like the depths of like. What you can fucking do. Sounds uh, like Homestuck. Kind of. Well, like, okay, I, I can actually talk about a Homestuck's power system in a second. Because <laughs> that, that shit's fucked. <laughs> like, we could we could talk about how power levels work there. But, like, um, Hunter, I love Hunter x Hunter because it is one of those power systems where it, it, it lets you be as creative as you want without having to be stuck with, like... Within, like, certain things. Because when you have things... When you have a lot of characters who are, like, powers that are, like, tied to, like, fire and ice or, like, basic elemental stuff, you, you, you're you eventually going to hit a point in a wall where it's just, I can't do anything more than this. I've exhausted every creative idea I had. Whereas Hunter x Hunter, it's like... You, you can... As long as you're, like, tying it to, like, a concept, 
You can stretch that concept as far as you possibly can fucking imagine. It's like the sky's the limit. Like JoJo stands? It's like JoJo stands, only you're not locked into your stand. Okay. Like, you can change your power at any any point in time. And you can learn other powers as well. Uh, They actually explained this in, like, the... When they were first explaining how how the system worked. There was a guy whose, like, specialty is, like, punching people. But then he's like, you know what would be cool if I cloned myself? So he learned to clone himself. And now I can punch people more! (laughs) Basically, yeah. It's it's the system entirely based on, um... You have, you're going to, uh, you're obviously going to have, like, your strength, which is in a category, which is one of six. And you, and if you go into that category, your shit will be super strong, but you don't have to be locked into it. You can do whatever the hell you want. Like, there was a guy who's, like, who was, like, a special Nen-type user, and it's, like, he, he has this, he has a, he has a thing that, like, talks back to him, and it chooses weapons for him to fight with. And he always complains, like, oh, I didn't want this weapon. It wouldn't be it would have been cool if I had something else. But like, he invented his own fucking power. So this thing is entirely his own fucking fault. But he's still good because he manages with it. There's like another guy who I love. His name is uh is I think it's like uh Knuckle Bine or Knuckle Joe. And it's um he has he's like a he's like a big like like a bruiser. You'd think he'd he'd come out of fucking like Yakuza. And he has an entire power based on the fucking concept of the IRS. It is mm-hmm. wild. It's... <laughs> yes. So, uh, he punches you, and when he gives... When he punches you, you t- he takes a little bit of... A little bit of Nen. He's basically putting it into you, and there's this little chibi thing following you around, counting uh, what, how much what, Nen what, what, what's What's Nen? Nen is, like, the ability that allows all this shit to happen. Think of it as, like, Aura. Okay. Everyone has like magic or, aura number or mana, or a mana. Yeah. So basically, you, he like every time he punches you, he gives you a bit of his mana, and after a certain point, he gives you so much mana where if you can't pay it back by the time he's done fighting you, then you just don't get to use your mana ever again for like I think <laughs> like thirty days or something that's, ridiculous. That's fucking retarded. <laughs> it is busted as all hell, so, but it works because it's like it. We you go into, like the first time we see this, he's basically testing it on a fucking child. He's just punching a child until he can't use his net anymore. Oh, now that but, I can appreciate. <laughs> but Children then, like punching approved by a lassie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, there's that. But then, like, we actually see how this is this is an incredibly busted power. But then we see how later on, you find a guy with like a ridiculous amount of fucking like nen like attached to him. You try like the idea is like, oh, if we can just pump him full of nen, if we can make him pay his fucking taxes, if he can't pay it back, oh, he's gonna be fucked. But he keeps punching him, but he has so much fucking mana, it doesn't matter how much he keeps storing up. Like, he, it, it's no, there's nothing he can do about it. He actually can't get him to the point where he's, like, over his debt. And it's, like, not, like all the battles, all the powers are, like, really fucking weird. Uh, like, my last, my last thing gushing about Hunter x Hunter, there's, like, uh, uh, the, the guy named Killua. He's, like, the second main character. He's, like, a little assassin kid. And, like, you know, he's your stereotypical lightning guy. 
the way he uses his lightning is like he actually fries his nerves with like electric shock and like accelerates his brain. So it fucking makes him go super fast. It is the most anime dumb tropey bullshit. But like you wouldn't fucking think of that. It's like everyone's their own fucking stand walking around. It's like, hey, you know, my stand came up with a new power. Uh, Let's try that. Uh, Sorry, the first thing that popped in my mind was, uh, enemy stand! Oh, gosh. It's like, it's like everyone is their own stand, but if they don't like their stand, they can change it or make, give their stand new powers. Yeah. Everyone, everyone is Requiem. Yeah, oh, I was about God. to say, everyone is Requiem. Uh, but, uh, Diaz, seeing that you initially brought up the topic, do you have, like, uh, a, a magic system in fiction that you, like, you're a big fan of? So here's the thing about magic systems, and I talked about Cloudy with this. He kind of touched on this in a previous podcast. But magic systems in fiction are a very touchy subject because in order for them to be a viable story point, a viable story plot, there has to be some kind of control over them or some kind of limitations on what they can or can't do, which is why Cloudy was going into about why about the Hunter x Hunter uh, system is excruciatingly detailed, but in the end it allows for a whole bunch of freedom because you can work within limitations to come up with new ways of, of, of uh, approaching problems to the point where even you change what you can do or what you were able to do last time because you work to overcome your limitations or your mental blocks as per se. So it's a good kind of correlation towards you know working to improve yourself. But the problem with magic systems in fiction, and this is where it gets a little bit complicated, is because you have to define what magic is, which ultimately defeats the purpose of it being magic. You have to define how the magic system works. Like, how do I do X? If I, Well, if you do uh, A, B, and Omega, you get X. If you do A, Delta, and Sigma, you get Y. You know, you have to break it down to a point where it's a usable system, which in then point actually takes away from it being magic, but turns it into a realm of science. Because magic, by its definition, breaks the rules of science because it surpasses them. It borders into the realm of the supernatural, whereas science is tied to the natural. Um, so, so that's kind of the thing that, that I look at when I look at a magic system is like how much of this is still mystical, how much of this is actually scientific and borderline science fiction. Um, I... Which Now, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I don't necessarily think i agree actually um because uh i think that you can explain something uh like at least a certain portion of something and then have a like uh, how how do i put this like uh, okay so this i'm bringing this up because hey it's me uh and but i do know that this is like science fiction but the the point still stands being like nano machines in in metal gear there's like, hey, uh, this guy can uh, fucking fly. Okay, how can he fly? Well, the nanomachines trigger this thing here or whatever. So you have like this alien element, this thing that triggers it, the thing that allows for it. And then you have all the other things around it. You don't necessarily need to explain like how the fuck a nanomachine can do this thing but you just say hey this thing enhances or does something weird and then i use that weirdness to uh, around these things that we know and 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 are familiar with so like when you have like 
uh, chakra in 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 uh, Naruto. It it's like okay, so there is a a a force and then if i spin the force around real fast i know i'm already familiar with the wind and and turbulence and all this stuff so if i spin it around real fast this weird alien thing that i don't necessarily explain what is then i'm gonna end up with a resengan so at least like that, that, that that's my point of view at least well i i see your point of view but the point still stands is that Again, magic by its definition breaks what we understand and it effectively has no rules. But when you no. start tying rules to it, it becomes less magic and more of a science. Which is why um which is why you we get magic systems, per se, because in order to get an effect, you have to have a cause. And so that's still a cause and effect correlation. Hmm. So if we're talking about magic systems, because D and D is an actually pretty good magic system. It's got the spell slot system, basically about how much, how much, many times you can cast per day. It's kind of still a fun system. But even then, to get an effect, you still have, there's still a science too, because you need like either a vocal component, you need ritualistic components, you need a sound component, you need a concentration, you need to do something to bring to will the effect into existence, which at that point is less magic than it is part of a science or an order that you need to go through to things. Now, the question becomes, does it demystify what it is? That's a question you can have with some other stuff. Um, so so some, of my favorite, <clears throat> some of my favorite magic systems, though. Um, but here's the thing. I like magic systems that work like science, if that makes sense. Because I think it was uh, Arthur C. Clarke that said, like, hyper-advanced technology is indistinguishable from science, which... I like and I dislike for different reasons and different settings. I'm, I'm a double talking here, so bear with me. Um, what was it? A Kosh Records of a Bastard Teacher. There's a scene in that anime where the teacher is going over magic systems and he's talking about how to say the full correct spell, which is this long incantation of creating a desired effect. And he's getting blowback from his students that basically say, you know... Well, why are you doing that? Why are you using the entire thing? You can just shorten it down to like to like this. And he goes over why you need to learn the structure of how the spell works from the incantation, because then you can start substituting the incantation for other stuff. Like they've shortened it down to where you can say it faster, like in a in a battle. But if you start adding other words and other phrases to it, it does completely change the spell. Whereas the students at the point think that the spell just fizzles out and just doesn't work properly, the teacher shows them by example that the spell actually takes on different properties because you've changed the order in which the incantation is said. That was really clever. I liked that. That was pretty cool for me. And it's one of my favorite scenes out of what is effectively a very under-par harem anime. Um, but it was really cool. Um, and I also like magic systems that, as I've, as I've just said actually don't make much sense uh magic knight ray earth was like my very first manga and the one thing i really liked about that was that they said magic is the strength of your spell is is determined by the strength of your heart or how strongly you feel or how strong of an emotion you feel and you know the first time they use it the the flame arrows are really small and they kind of just spits everywhere but like towards the end of it where tensions are really high and emotions are running wild they just launches a giant freaking mech sized fire arrow at something and it's like i i like that i thought that was actually pretty pretty neat uh pretty neat indentation of that 
So, um, yeah, so I kind of like I kind of like a little bit of both, but it does depend on the setting that we're dealing with. I think is a, is more important about whether or not the magic system also fits into the setting you're using it to tell a story. Um, if I want to use a video game example, which video game examples are really going to be kind of uh, hard to nail down, uh, Chrono Cross, and probably half of your audience just groaned because I didn't mention Chrono Trigger, which is fine. I like Chrono Cross. Uh, in Chrono Cross. Uh, the magic system is, and this this also boils down to our thing in a lot of systems. Like, well, if 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 we all have this force, why can't we all use it? Well, in Chrono Cross, they subvert that by saying everyone has an element, everyone can use a bit of magic. It's just the main characters get to use a little bit more of it to to fight off what's going on. So, like, you have thunderballs and fire, you have thunder thunderbolts and fireballs and all this other stuff that you can throw, but you're not limited in what to in what you can know, kind of like the 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 force in Hunter x Hunter. But it's also you're kind of born with a unique innate uh, affinity for an element, and those elements you use, you're more able to do more damage with. But that doesn't limit you to the other types of elements you can use and you can learn, because it's an allocation of spells, and spells can be bought and sold. How that works, I don't know. I let it sit as if it's kind of like a, a like the slotting system for Maturia for uh, for Final Fantasy VII, uh, and you can basically uh, allocate which spells you know, but they also have like a really they have a, a specific cooldown time too. So it's it's kind of a fun little system, and I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. And you charge up your spells by hitting by hitting things with your weapons, which is kind of fun. Um, there are. So you, you 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 like made me remember two things I wanted to bring up. Like, um, there's an example I want to bring up where they actually where when when you explained like how how magic is defined by how it's not defined, like it reminding me of like the one the one piece of fiction that I know that like does that well or not really does that well, but does that in such a way that it it follows it it follows that definition to the letter, but also fails catastrophically. I want to talk about that, but like what you're talking about right now, how like um, magicism can be used to like define. Sorry, I, I lost my turn. But like I was, I was basically I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about Ruby first because she's my favorite punching bag. But I also want to talk about how the magic system kind of changed in um between the first two Persona games and the Persona games that came after. Because Lassa, I don't know if you know this, but um, in the old Persona games, every person, every person could use their own, could use any persona they want. Whereas, unless you were you Narukami, you got, you had a one persona and that's it. Mm. So, like, I think that did something fundamental to, like, the storytelling of the game. Whereas, like, I'll just go in persona first. In, in the original, in the original game, it was really centered, like, the story itself was really cerebral because it was a lot about a lot of kids like doing things and like trying to save the world from like the dreamscape and nazis and Naralathotep. it's crazy but it was basically like the story itself was less focused around one central character it was basically about all these characters like struggling together so they all had a very um they all had very flexible um they all have very flexible powers that, like, that the game would allow you to just work more, focus more on team composition, like, on doing combinations, letting your friends' personas go fucking wild, and you're, like, treating it as, like, a 
like a commander controlling his troops. Whereas like from Persona 3 onwards, it's very, it, it is actually made a very apparent that like, even though you're like the voices like protagonists, whether you're like Ren or you or Makoto, you are fucking, you are like the most important person there, even if you don't say anything. So because the story is focused around your character's relationship to everyone else, but not so much your party relationship with the world. The power system is more focused on you being the wild card and how you be like interact with every other persona around you. So whenever you, I, I see this a lot when people are comparing like the two series back to back and why there's such a big fundamental shift and not just like the gameplay and everything. But I think like the way the systems of the world is done the, the reason why all, not all your friends can be the wild card, it's only you, is because, like, the feeling that they want you to have playing the new Persona games is, like, they want to make sure that you feel special, that you being, I, like, the I, avatar running through this game. Oh, yeah, it's super wish fulfillment. Yeah. It is super wish fulfillment. But like, the, but, like, the magic system itself, like, amplifies that. It actually makes that known. Because it started off with a lore eclectic like system. Because like even though everyone had starting personas, especially that one unfortunate like character who they turned black in the American release, and his first persona was like a spear chucker. God, it was awful. But like he didn't have to keep that for the entire game. Thankfully, you can switch that out as soon as you got a second persona, and then you never had to think about it. But like if that was like but if this if they took that approach in like the in like um in the new persona games where you were the wild card he'd have to be stuck with that until like until it like evolved in the later half of the game. But yeah. I like that I like when like magic systems when as detailed or as simple as they can be if they're going to be used for like an ulterior motive like they they serve something not just they don't just serve like the effects that are happening in in like the world but it also serves like a narrative purpose on top of that yeah especially if you have a setting where you have magic and science tied together and again like i said you're like at some point magic becomes science but if you have like a, a, a sci-fi fantasy setting how the two interact is really important so i'm a big star wars fan uh you know throughout the last three the last three movies or last four at this point i'll be pr i'm pretty much happy um <clears throat> But think about how the force works, because the force affects those with the metachlorine with the metachlorine high count. Uh, high count. Well, here's the thing. Apparently, you don't need to have metachlorines in your bloodstream in order to be affected by the force. So then, how does that work? Well, it's not really explained because it's a plot point used in like originally the Thrawn trilogy as an indication for trying to find people with possible high force affinity. It didn't mean that they could use the force. Or could be Jedi or Sith, just that they could be, you know, that. But, you know, it was under the impression that that you'd also have to be able to affect things with midichlorians. But maybe not, because the Force can be used to manipulate everything around you, because it's the, it's the thing that ties all living things together. Although it's been used on inorganic material, like moving, like droids, especially during the Clone gonna... Wars. I was gonna like bring up like the when you have Yoda lifting the fucking like fighter out of the swamp, and he's like. I mean, if you want to you know, go that route, you can argue that the organic material in the swamp, because swamps are full of organic material, 
he was able to lift it up with the organic material around it. I mean, you can make that argument. I'm not going to make that argument because no. that does kind of neglect. Because I think the I think the fact that you are able, you have midichlorians means you have a better chance of accessing the force than others. Doesn't mean that you're not someone with a very low midichlorian count could be a very effective Jedi. We don't know because it's not something that's really explained. It doesn't need an explanation, and I don't hate it for it, mind you. But it's it's an explanation that begs some questions and. You can come up with some fun with some fun fan, fan theories. I don't think it needs to be answered, but it could. But then, if you have a, a hard magic system like magic that has rules that breaks reality, that breaks the laws of physics, how do you come across that? How do you implement that into technology, weapons, armor, healing magic? Because healing magic is a really big one. Because healing magic is like borderline miracle working which if that's the case then why do we have st well, then why would things like grievous injury be a very be a problem right so you have to figure out how your magic system also affects the healing rate of the body because the body the human body is stupid complicated i'll tell you what <laughs> like we are stupid complicated as far as organisms go granted we're not i wish we were more like starfish they just lop off a limb and you either get in you either get another person or you get your arm back one of the two or like crocodiles and dinosaurs, if we, if we lose the teeth, we just pop another one back in. We're super highly complicated, but we're also super highly to the point that if something happens to that complexity, we shut down. So if a, if a character gets an arm lobbed off, how is your magic system going to handle either reattaching that limb or like does it regrow another arm? Does it make that arm does it does it seal off the wounds so there's no damage to the rest of the body? You know, how do you implement that and how does that work? How does that affect? Also, if you have a system like the the I can't pronounce it, but the the Neen from uh Hunter X Hunter, the force or mana, how does that system work within the world? I kinda like the force analogy of like it's within all it's within the universe, it flows through everything. Doesn't matter what or who you are, it flows through you in a, in a manner of in a manner of, in a manner of speaking. So it it comes to the point where how does that affect you, and how does that affect other stuff that pe a lot of people don't think about uh, when they're writing fiction? Is how does your magic affect not just combat because that's where it's the most flashy, but how does it affect the more practical as well? Like how does it affect transport? How does it affect production? How does it affect? you know, the healing arts or, 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 uh, or hospitals, like how does it affect, you know, the transportation of goods and services? How does it affect, you know, even, even the mundane stuff? Cause if magic is something that happens in combat, then it should have some, it have, should have some applications outside of combat as well. I mean, that's just the next logical conclusion is like, how do we take this and make it to where it's more useful for society as a whole? So, that's something if you have a high fantasy world or a science fiction world that has magic implemented in mixed in with science, how does that work on other things? And that's a question that you kind of need to ask yourself and spend a little time thinking about because it's also part of your world building because then that else then that imp then that affects like the growth of industry, the growth of the population, the growth of of uh you know automation, if any, like do you have you know automatons, golems, droids, whatever? Uh, working, do you have like effective and safe? Do you have an effective and safe environment, or do you have something like in God? What was? What is it? What's it? What's the one? It's a D and D setting, Dark Sun, where magic is bad and it drains the life out of everything around it. Like true arcane magic is dangerous. 
and outlawed. And only like the seven or so emperor kings actually can are actually allowed to use arcane magic because it's so dangerous. And even even then, they use it without abandoning. Because you know what? Fuck fuck you. Fuck the rest of you. I'm I'm fuck the rest of you. I'm a king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Lassa, I'm gonna talk about Ruby again. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is my favorite thing because. Uh, when you mentioned like magic systems and like how you how it was used for like the world, uh, Ruby, it is so genius and so stupid. It has it has like three magic systems. It has dust, it has aura, and it has um, magic, actual magic to the definition magic. Uh, dust is like is the th- is like the augmentations you can like add to weapons. It's what gives you your like swords, like fire flashes, or your teleports have like cool electricity explosions. But it's also explained like they begin like the like the uh, side content and like the in in the universe. Dust is what everyone uses to like run their society, like fucking like ju- like the big verdi birds or like the planes and shit that they use to like fly or like teleportation. That's all done through dust, and there's a whole like the whole dust mines where they get all their magic powers, it is, it, it makes it horrible that like that the, there's a big bank conflict like to get all this dust. You have to use like like bunny slave labor to get it done. But they also make they don't make it a really big point that it's like their entire society would collapse if they had to stop using dust for some reason. Because like everything runs on it, down to like the electricity that passes through your house to like not only just co- like combat stuff. It is just hyper important to everything. Why it's so why it just needs to be a thing. But like, and that's like one thing they like barely touch on as much. There's aura, which is basically like when when Monty inve- like invented it. It was a concept. Basically, uh, it was the the main purpose of it was so. Like, hey, here's how, how everyone's going to be, like, using their cool powers. Like, I want everyone to have superpowers. I want them to have, like, a life bar that is that makes sense whenever, like, if they have to run out. If they run out of mana, they're fucking dead. And it's, like, and it's very video gamey, but they go, but they don't explain enough to the point where they don't give it hard to fast food. But they give you, like, enough of a, like, plausible deniability where if something isn't going to happen, it'll just make sense. It, it doesn't make you automatically assume, hey, why why is their clothes not ripping apart? Oh, no, it's just their aura shielding them. Okay. But then we get to, like, the magic in the series, which they refuse to ever explain. And I hate it. I hate it so much. Because the, the only things they do with it is, like, weird elemental effects, which you wouldn't be able to tell if it's, like, a semblance or because semblance is, like, a part of aura or whatever. But like they they do these flashy powers and they call it magic and people who see it in real life can like process it immediately that it's magic but they never explain it to the show or to the audience. It's so goddamn haphazard and poorly handled. It is astonishing to me. And I like it because you have examples that if you just work with it a little bit, it could be so great because you do have that facet of like, hey, it's magic, I don't gotta explain it. But because we have that, we also have these two things that are so important, they're broken down to a science. It's like, a se- it's like this show runs the gambit of systems from hard to soft. It's crazy. And like, the hard, most fast one, they don't, like, they don't explain it. And like, the really soft one where like, 
you could do whatever the hell you want. They still don't explain it. The one they spend the most time on is like the aura stuff. And even then, the only reason they, sp they spend a lot of time is because they, co they constantly keep writing new rules and contradicting everything they've done in the past. So if someone gets like stabbed through the chest when they shouldn't be able to do that, like three like three seasons later, it's because they make a new rule that contradicts it, but then it contradicts like half the shit that happened in the beginning of the series. You see, that's like I, I'd have to say like that's that's the best example of poor world building and poor story writing. It's like, oh, oh yeah, we, need, we need to create drama here. We need to create something that happens. Oh, let's just break our rules. No, 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 no. You don't break the rules. You have to work within the rules to find a way to increase the drama. Because if you just have no rules, then you have no stakes. Right? Exactly. So if you want to have an instance where a character needs to get needs to get killed or needs to be damaged or needs to be severely beaten, you need to work within the facet of why how does this happen within the confines of the story you're telling rather than, oh, they just get beaten because we need a, we need a story beat here. Like, no. You need a story beat there. But you need to spend more than like two minutes thinking about why it needs to happen because otherwise, as Riser said, if you could do all of that, then what was the point of all the drama up to this point? Exactly. That's the thing I want to like get at at the core of this when it comes to like magic systems and in like anything. You can't just have like a really complex, intricate system to exist in your world and just be there to be the foundation. You need it to like either tie it back into the story. It has to have a purpose for being there. Which is, like, a really meta concept to think about, because, like, but, like, if you're gonna put something into your world, even if it's, like, a set of rules that need to be followed, those rules need to have a reason to be there. Like, nothing can be arbitrary, otherwise, then there's no point to even having it. Because then they're just gonna be broken anyway. Magic, as, like, a concept, it, like, exists because there is no rules. So attached to it, whenever you attach rules to magic, you get closer and closer to science, which which is which, which I, isn't inherently bad. No, it's, it's not. Like, no, it's not bad. I wanted to add, it's like yeah. the fact that magic has rules is not bad. It's just an observation I've made that the more rules you give to magic to explain how it works, the less magic it becomes and the more science it becomes. That's not necessarily a bad thing, though. I mean, that can still be, because that is effectively the magic system of your world. So that's how, that's what it is in the world, and that's fine to explain it that way. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, even if we're going to be arguing about, uh, <laughs> even if we're going to be talking about, like, the different kinds of magic systems there are and how they apply to a variety of uh, systems and a variety of worlds. The other most important thing is how does the magic work within the world? And that is the job of the world builder and the storyteller to actually implement into that world. And to have it make sense within the confines of that world makes more is more important, I would argue, than does it make sense as scientifically as we can explain it in ours. Granted, we're using our rules to try and define how it works in that one, but as long as it makes sense and is logically consistent in that world, you're doing a good job with explaining or designing a magic system that works, and as long as you use it, within those confines and any exceptions that come up should have been maybe hinted at previously, you're doing a good job. 
By the way, Honestly, Riser is magically stabbing Cloudy over and over and over again from his back. Must mention. Something oh, yeah. Which I appreciate so much every time I see it. <laughs> it's it's fine. He's just flexing his own magic right now. His nanomachines <laughs> are acting up. Nanomachines, son. Uh, I'm sorry. We're t- I'm sorry. We're keeping you quiet, Lasse. Like, <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm really fascinated. <laughs> I'm really fascinated by this topic just because, like, it, it's it's. It's really, it's really fascinating to like not only come up with rules and like see it play out, but it's also like important because I, I, I know I see this a lot when people ask for advice. They want to know how do I make this make sense? I have or is this idea cool? I think it's more important that like whatever idea you have when you're making a story, game, or animation or what what have you, you're going to like make it consistent throughout the whole way through. Or if you're gonna break the rules either find a reason to break the rules or like make it in a make it thematically appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um so we talked about this like last time we brought up magic systems, but like a good example where even though nothing is fucking explained, it all looks cool is bleach. Yeah. It it is a perfect magic system for that. Like Rayatsu and like Bonkai's and Zanpakuto and spirit power. Sh- Spirit power, like uh, spirit it is pressure. so spirit pressure. Spirit pressure. <laughs> shit is so poorly defined there that like you can swear that, like Kubo just makes shit up, whatever. It just draws whatever goes on in the page, and I don't even care. It's fucking cool. Uh, I read the latest chapter of Bleach, and I got so excited. The one thing I'm gonna get piss anti about is that like like uh, Ichigo has his old Chika again. Which shouldn't be a thing after what happened in no, the he, last he, fucking... He, he got better. <laughs> he got better. Uh, okay, he got no, Cloudy, Cloudy, you forget. Shonen protagonist. Doesn't matter. I know, no, no, it's not even that it broke. It's like he got a new one that was not only a new one, he got like one and another one. He got two Bonkai. Mom, mom let him have two fucking Bonkai. <laughs> and it's like, that was that was like his new Shikai. Then, it, then he like... Gone Bankai, and then turned to his old sword, and now when he's like fighting, he's using his old sword again. So like, is he always in Bankai? Is that his new Shikai? It's like, you know what, you 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 know what? By all intents of the rules, this shouldn't be a thing. But at the same time, Ichigo's holding his sword again. And he's like, fu- like he's like slicing down mega giant hollows. That shit's fucking cool. I don't even care anymore. It's like and Ichigo. It looks like mom says it's. Ichigo, mom says it's my turn with the Bonkai. Screw you, I get two now. No. <laughs> Skateboards basically. off in the distance. <laughs> That's basically uh, Ichigo. I, uh, uh, like, now that you mentioned Bleach, I, I actually thought about this, um, like, after the last podcast when we talked about this whole, like, Bleach and powers and whatever. Uh, you know, uh, there is actually a, a, a thing that I completely forgot about, and that is uh, Dragon Ball. Not Dragon Ball Z, but Dragon Ball. When Goku mm-hmm. first learns how to use the Kamehameha, Roshi is like, oh, you have, like, this inner energy, and so what you do is that you center it at the palm of your hands, and then you... Pew, and like it, it is, it it's very like short. Like they cover it very, very briefly, but that is the only time in that entire fucking series where they actually explain like how stuff works. Because after that, it's just ah, fucking figure it out. I don't care. 
and, and then like they return to it later where Gohan is trying to teach Videl on how to fly it's like it's just fucking um, propel your key this way and I guess your body will follow it or what I, I don't recall how it is but I just think it's funny that like it tried to explain things and just got, said you know what fuck it and then just after that, started throwing beams, teleporting. Uh, I remember the worst, like, uh, the guy from the Red Ribbon Army, Captain Blue or whatever, who could paralyze you with his eyes and they never covered, like, explained how or why. He could just fucking do that. It's, it, it's fucking wild. I have, an ex- I have the expl- perfect explanation for you here, Riser. Okay. Power level, son. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it, that that, that is literally the explanation s- for all of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z is power levels. My I've, number is so big, it, it, I can wink at you and you will not move. I will say, I, I will say one of the funniest things about like that whole thing was uh, when they started fighting Hit in, in Super, and and Goku and Vegeta was just getting their ass whooped, and everyone's like. How, wh- wh- how the fuck? What is he doing? And at no point, at no point does does the like the topic does not even get lifted. Maybe he just has a really good fighting style, but it's all what power is this? Of maybe he just punches you real good. Have you ever thought about that? Or maybe he actually has an actual martial arts that he used, because I yeah. do not think that DBZ uses any actual martial arts, although a friend of me told me, he's like, oh, you don't really understand Dragon Ball Z, it's a martial arts anime. I'm like, bullshit, it isn't. It is not, it's anything but a martial you arts can, anime. You can argue that for the original Dragon Ball. Oh no, Dragon Ball, like, I'll give it, I'll give yeah, it to Dragon Ball, yeah. because they do have like a martial arts like, tournament and some fighting styles and stuff, but like DBZ, no. No, it is, it is like, it's just effect spam and like, just pun- and like, Rapid punchies where it's mostly blur lines and shit. And 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 like, you know what? That, that has like that has a place. Like, don't get me yeah. wrong. Uh, but as a as an old martial artist myself, I fucking adore. Like, uh, what was that manga called? The history's strongest disciple or whatever. Like oh, that. Yeah. That one. Like that one was like Cheesecake Factory on Mars, but uh, but it also started doing like Dragon Ball shit, where it's like, oh, I'm punching you through mountains and shit. But it it was grounded in real martial arts, and I thought that was super cool. So when like you saw like, oh, this guy's evil because he practiced more Buran, and I'm like, I fucking I have spent months study like not actually practicing it but studying Moi Buran and the fact that you guys remember it and I can see you using it I'm like I'm in <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah I meant to ask there uh last uh what what rank did you get in uh in your martial art oh what, what the fuck was it uh green belt no green I, th- belt? I think okay. I w- uh, uh, no uh I had green belt uh I you gotta you gotta like forgive me, it's been a while. I got the green belt and I I got the um, uh, the graduation, and so I was supposed to get the next one, but I didn't have to quit for health reasons. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I, uh, I I think I was above that. I again, it's been a while, but yeah. That, uh, so I wasn't that high up, but I've always been fascinated about martial arts. So um, I've been you know studying it on the side. So, so here's the thing. I also did martial arts. I did Aikido for a number of years when I was in college, and I've kind of mm. started going back. 
Um, I had to drop out because I was focusing so much on my graduate work and graduate studies, but I was doing a keto and I got up to getting my blue belt just after and approved for the belt by the Keto Association of America, which is tied to one of the primary uh, teaching schools uh, for a keto in Japan. That's fucking dope. I know. I love it. And it's so fun. I know we're talking about martial arts, but you're not supposed to do this. And I'm not, and I, I'm, it's my fault for doing this, but no one got hurt. It was just fun. I, when I was studying at the Wyoming Dinosaur Center for a summer internship, it was my last summer internship there. Um, we had a couple of uh, friends. We had one person from the, from uh, one person from the East coast who had done wrestling in high school. And there was a girl from Texas who had done judo. And the thing is, she really wanted to do sword work. And in Aikido, we actually do a whole bunch of we do a, we do a lot of sword, Joe, and dagger work, um, primarily for attacks, for uh, maneuvers, for katas, as well as also being able to disarm. Well, I was showing her some stuff, and we were kind of joking around in the living room, and we were showing off like arm arm and wrist locks because Aikido is a lot of using your opponent's energy against them and getting them into uh into to disable them without hurting them so there's a lot of wrist locks and arm locks well as a primer which we're not supposed to do we're not supposed to show off but we were we were kind of showing off it was late at night um she came out with with me for an attack i went in for a wrist lock she transitioned into another uh strike which then i just let go of the arm transitioned around her and got her onto the ground gently uh, with her arm pinned behind her behind her back, and she, when when she tapped out because I didn't put too much pressure on her, I got up and she's like, "How did you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> Basically, just completely transitioned around her attack, which I which I really love about Aikido is just the ability to tran- transition from one position to like if if the if the lock if the arm lock isn't there, it's an easy transition into another one. If the wrist lock isn't there, there's an easy transition into another one. And for me, that's really important because I don't want to hurt anyone. I'm six foot four, over three hundred pounds, and I can hurt someone. I love Aikido because it teaches me not to. Like I can control myself, I can control them to where they don't get hurt, I don't get hurt. Um. So yeah, I, I think that's that's just really fun. And I think the thing and the thing that makes me sad about some of these martial, some of these fighting mangas and some of these fighting stuff is that after a while, as you guys have brought up you lose the martial arts. I'm not expecting to get an in-depth look into how martial arts are done. It's not like freaking Food Wars where it's a cooking manga at its core and you just want to drool over the food, which I do. But you want to... It's not going to teach you how to do the art, but it should at least show some aspects of the style in the poses, in the different stuff. And and I know Negima was... Uh, Negima was really bad about this because... One of the small, and I, I guess I like Ken Akamatsu's work, and I like Negima, but they had like a they had the obligatory fighting tournament arc thing uh, for one volume, and one of the characters, which is this ancient vampire woman, does a keto, but they didn't show any of the actual move. They just showed her grabbing the wrist, and then the next panel is a full page panel of the guy flying back, and I'm like, what fucking wrist lock was? What fucking move was that? That's not no no. How did she no no? And that, that does annoy me about the fighting manga and the fighting anime is that you kind of just eventually it just breaks down to where you're not actually showing any of the martial arts. It's just kicks and punches and very few throws and, and none of the actual technique. It's also why MMA fighting annoys me because all it is is just ground fighting. Once you get to the ground, you're done. Like there's no actual mixed martial arts. It's just basically boxing in a cage. 
<laughs> I do not agree, but okay. Um, I, I I don't uh, I don't care for I'll, I'll be honest I don't care for MMA fighting if it's if that's your thing that's your thing but for me uh, no, it just I, doesn't do it for me. No, and and that's perfectly fine. But I would say like just calling it boxing is maybe a little like uh, it's it's a hot take. I'll admit it's a hot take. It's a hot take. Yeah. I'll fully admit on that. But I don't okay. particularly enjoy it. Like, I would like to see more styles, but I also know that after a certain while, there's only some styles that are going to be most effective, and that's going to become effectively the meta. So it's it's nice to see some variety, but from what I've seen of MMA fighting, which is maybe about an hour total in the last five years, I'm not seeing anything that's actually really impressing to me. No, and, 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 and that's 100% fair. Right. No, and uh, I'm not going to. That's again. It's a hot take on mine. It's it's mine, and you. If you like it, you enjoy it. I'm not going to try and tell you that it's wrong, but I just wanted to give my thoughts and feelings on it as I, as my hot take. I, I I won't say that it's as much me like liking it or not. Just like <laughs> this is going to sound like I'm coming at you, but I really don't mean to. But you're just factually wrong about. Like, I know, I, you know what? I'll t- <laughs> if I am, I'll take the L. I'll fully take yeah. the L, but don't get me wrong; those guys train like freaking hard. I will not. Okay. I will not. I will not diss them for for all the amount of training that goes into it goes into the fight. Like they train their asses off. But then mm. again, when you're expecting a knockdown, dragout fight, and you get knocked down in the first thirty seconds, and you start getting calls from customers wanting to refund their pay per view money because the fight wasn't nearly as long as it was advertised, and you have to tell them, "No, it's not our concern." It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, go go watch Jake Paul do nothing for like ten rounds. And then I, it's Jake Paul. I don't want to watch him do nothing on a good day, <laughs> let alone, let alone you know in a in a in a boxing ring. Uh, I actually wanted to come because like you 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 mentioned this whole thing about like you being like a a, a big guy and you you don't want to like fight things uh, like like you you picked up Aikido because like it's very much about like just like not fighting and I think like there's such a uh, an interesting contrast because again i don't know why people have gotten this idea but i'm fucking short i'm i'm like i'm basically a dwarf and uh and and i picked up karate uh, specifically uh, a closed fit, uh, closed hand martial arts because i uh, like everyone who knows me knows i like the guy who punches real good and who screams at you and and calls you an asshole and so like i just think that there's a like the tiny guy who, who who likes fights and punches and violence, and then big guy who just wants peace. Like there's a there's a funny contrast here. Oh no no! The funny part is is like I work with girls who are literally about a, a half to a third my size, and these are women who are like five foot five foot something, like a hundred and like not even not even like a hundred and thirty pounds. And when we're doing technique and practicing technique, they throw me around like a rag doll. I make the oh, yeah. most the most satisfying thump on the mats. It's amazing. I love it. I, and I find poetic justice in it. But for me, I've always been concerned about having anger issues. I have a temper. But that temper doesn't come out in, thankfully, doesn't come out in, like, aggression. Like, it doesn't come out in, I want to jump, I want to flip this table and come at you, bro. Um, but I also know that sometimes I don't realize my own strength. So I worry about that. Which is why I, which is why I like that because I don't want to hurt you. You're not in the right mind to come at me, bro. Like you're not in the right mind to come at me. <clears throat> so I want to basically put you over there in the corner as you run at, after you run at me, and I want to walk that way. Although the best way uh, that Aikido, I think, does, or I heard a story about um, 
some of the best mentality to go into a keto and to go into a confrontation is the concept of de-escalation, right? Because yeah. if you, the it higher you escalate that. it, the more dangerous and violent it can become. So um, the story goes is there was an American student who was studying in Japan and he was – he and the – the sensei was teaching him a technique that was like this technique is this technique is guaranteed to drop them hard fast like just it'll end the it'll end the conflict immediately they'll be on the ground kind of thing i don't remember i don't remember what technique but it, it well, i don't think it was said not that it matters um so so this american i'm and i remember being i'm pretty sure it's american i could be stereotyping but you know cuz we're assholes um so he goes on the train to go home and he's excited about this technique. So he's looking he, – he wants to look for the first chance to use this technique. And this, this drunk – this drunk man comes onto the train at the next stop. He's belligerent. He is cussing. He is cursing. He is just yelling at everyone. He's obviously drunk. And the guy the, – the American's about ready to go and confront him for the purpose of dropping him, you know, to, to use the technique. Until this other this other this other passenger talks to the man, this drunk man, and just, just asks like, "What's wrong? Are you okay?" And then the the drunk man starts going off about how he had just lost his job because he'd been through it. He's been going through a depression because apparently he lost his he lost his wife and child earlier that week, and was just going through all of these emotions. And then he started breaking down on the train next to uh, this person who took the time instead of trying to escalate it, tried to find out what was wrong and to de-escalate the situation, which I think is like the most important thing I've learned about Aikido that I try and put into my everyday life is like, I don't want, like, how do you de-escalate the conflict before it gets to the point where, you know, fists have to be thrown, which is, I think, the most important thing I've learned, if anything. Sure, I could probably get you to a wrist lock and drop you in the drop you on the floor in like an instant, but I don't want to. No, uh, it, you you mentioned that whole thing about like practicing with with girls half your size. I, when when I was practicing uh, karate, we uh, uh, we there wasn't a whole lot of us, so sometimes we had to uh, go together with the the younger group. Of people. Like, I think we were four people in my age group, and uh, and then, like, the rest were kids. And so it was always funny but when we were sparring, uh, because, you know, you would start throwing hands at, uh, at each other. And uh, I would always, you know, like, oh, I'm roundhouse kicking this little kid, and, uh, okay, I've, I stop my, my, my leg... Uh, next, uh, like next to the face, being like, okay, if I had gone through with it, you would have been like knocked out. <laughs> but um, they did not care. So you stop, and they're like, oh, okay, and then they will fucking just punch you in the nuts. <laughs> um, which, it, like, it, it's it's so funny, like thinking about that because I actually saw in the Olympics the the gold medal winner of I think it was karate actually. Uh, got knocked the fuck out. Oh, jeez. Uh, he he. Uh, so the whole thing about uh, there's different types of committees. There's a committee where you you hit you you do uh, the kiai, which is where you like you exclaim kia or whatever the fuck, and and then you know like and then the judge would be like, okay, that was a clean hit or that was not a clean hit, and then you get points 
depending on that. You're never actually supposed to punch out your opponent. And so what happened here was that uh, the guy just fucking, like, he killed this man. Like, he got fucking, like, whooped. But because the other person got knocked out, that penalizes you, meaning that guy who, uh, who got knocked out wins, and the, <laughs> and the guy who knocked him out loses. So, the, so there's this, this picture going around online of this man laying flat on his back, <laughs> like, like looking like a corpse, and it just has gold medal winner. <laughs> dude no no that, that, that sounds like so many fighting games where it's like you both get knocked out but only one of you gets determined the winner due to some weird freaking glitch in the system it's like you win we what yeah uh, uh actually, had, uh, uh, if, if i may uh just uh real quick tell the story because i actually had like a, the same uh experience uh of this where i um uh, one of the dudes who were on my team was like massive tall like like freakishly huge even even compared to people who are not as tiny as me like normal people would look at him going jesus fucking christ you're you're tall and one time i had to do like one of the first kumites i had uh, fight things um and with this dude he was just like constantly throwing legs at me and because his legs are about as long as I am tall, there was no fucking way that I could get in. And he would do nothing. Like, uh, luckily, I could, like, block it. But I could never, like, find a way to get in. So I was, like, trying this thing. Uh, uh, and, again, I was rather new. So I didn't know, like, all the, the tools of the trade yet. So I was like, okay, if we do a katambarai, which is, like, a, a block, then maybe I can sweep away. No, he, he's he's too huge. Like, he, he's just going to knock my block away. Okay, uh, if I do... Uh, like the circle around. No, oh, he he he's like the way. He, if he swings them horizontally, he's just gonna fucking clip me. And then uh, th- there is a uh, a a thing. I actually don't recall what it's called, but basically it's where you. Uh, okay, th- this is exclusively for the people who watch the stream, where you stick your hand out, and then like you basically do a chopping motion with with uh, with the other hand. And while you pull the other one back, and normally that is supposed to be, you know, like the 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 um, the shuto, I think it's called from from karate, where you just like you you you've seen it uh, when they like knock their hands through cinder blocks or whatever, like they they do the the knife chop thing, but uh, we we were we had been told by our sensei uh, prior that every move we teach you has like a do- like five different ways that you can actually use it. And so I find out that because you pull out one, uh, you you pull back one hand, I could actually grab this dude by the angle and pull him back. And what that did was that he just like continued, like he was doing like a push kick. So I grab his angle, I pull him back. And all of a sudden, he, he's been brought down to the point where, he, uh, where our torsos are right next to each other. I'm just like, okay, I finally have him. And so I just fucking pull a fist from behind me into his face 
And I just, and, and like at this point, I'm just high on adrenaline because again, one of the first kumites I ever had. So I'm just fucking, and I know like, okay, once you hit someone, you just release a kiai. So I'm fucking screaming like a madman as I'm just having this fist in his face. And I've, and because his center of mass has been changed so much, I fucking fling him on his back and there's like this beautiful arc of blood coming from his nose. And I, and I slam him on the ground. And I lose because I used excessive force. Oh, God. And I was just like, I felt like the coolest fucking anime protagonist in the world. But I lost because I used it because I didn't just, it, like, mock him. So that was fucking annoying. Oh, no. That's, that's kind of awesome. But, yeah, no, it's it's kind of... When you're doing martial arts, uh, Aikido, and like you just said, karate, I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, they teach you different... They teach you the basic emotions and then it's kind of almost up to you to kind of figure out how to use it in certain situations. I mean, they'll teach you like how yeah. to use it in a base situation, but then like when certain other situations come up, then it's like, okay, start, start working on how you're going to do the rest of it. Like, how do I, how do I use this transition? I mean, that's kind of really fun for Aikido for me is just the transitioning. Like if this, if I can't, if you get out of this one arm maneuver, I can definitely get you into another, uh, lock arm locker, another another technique, pretty quick. It doesn't take much. Um, mm. no, that's really cool. That's really cool, Riser. Good job. Thank you. Uh, how about you, Claude? Have you ever practiced any martial arts? Uh, I took karate when I was six. Yeah, you did. We couldn't pay for it, so I, like after I got my white belt, I had to stop. Oh, you at least yeah, got a white belt in karate. I only learned how to kick a ball. I, I remember when I was like a wee little baby and my parents were like, okay, Les needs to do some kind of sport because he's... Look at him. <laughs> and so... <laughs> someone's going to someone's start tossing him in a bar soon if we, don't, if we lose track of him. Okay, okay, so... I, I don't want to talk about this like in too in-depth because like it was, it's a weird... It was a weird thing for me. Like me and my brother really wanted to learn karate but there weren't like any opportunity for us to do it because we didn't have the money for it. But we found out that there was a YMCA nearby our house who was willing to let us participate for a while. And the reason they let us participate is because we were one of the first non-white children to participate. Oh, no. Oh, no. So when we signed up, they, uh, the newspaper, we got on the newspaper and they were talking about like diversity using us as like the example and me and my brother, we were fucking small. We don't know what the fuck was going on. We just wanted to, like, throw each other. And we did. I, I don't remember it now, because, like, after the first year, I had to stop, because even the, after that first session, they went up to their normal rates, and we're like, okay, we can't pay for this, so you're gonna have to leave, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, that, that, was, that that is rough. Yeah. yeah. That is my only, that is my only thing. Like, I... I've seen a lot of like um, martial arts footage and like seen it being like rotoscoped for learning how to do like fight choreography, but I've never practiced any myself except for that one instance. And I would like to pick up, you know, I probably should have picked up something during the pandemic. Now that I thought about it, I'll uh, do that now. I I think that Dia can attest to this that if you actually wanna like exercise, but you feel like oh nothing is more boring than going to the gym or just running or something, legit pick up martial arts. It's the most fun you will ever have exercising. It it is a lot of fun, especially once you get past. Uh, because for for me when we started, um, because for for Akito we do uh, ukemi, which is rolling, 
because for a lot of our technique, you need to know how to fall out of the technique because if you don't fall, if you don't fall correctly, you'll injure yourself. Or in some very rare cases, you might get your arm broken. Very rare. Can happen, especially Shinagi. Shinagi is dangerous. Um, mm. But we, we had to learn how to roll, which was like the first, like when our, like, and we did a bunch of rolling for our first, uh, for some of our first lessons because, you know, you have to learn how to fall out of it. And it was kind of interesting because we were part of the Western Aikido Association of America for the first four years I was in Aikido. Until we joined the uh, the AAA, which here's the here's the funny thing, the Aikido Association of America is is AAA, is their acronym, and the president of the association, his last name is Toyota. <laughs> I told him that he just gave me the most blankest look, and he's like, I did not realize that. <laughs> and Stephen Toyota is an amazing guy. He goes around, uh, does uh, demonstrations all over the world, actually. Um, uh, he does demonstrations and, uh, various, uh, seminars, which are really fun. Like, he's a really fun guy. He's super fluid on the mat, but yeah, no, you, you learn how to roll, you learn how to fall, break falls, you learn how to do side rolls. Um, there's just a lot of it you learn and it is, it, it keeps you moving. It keeps you active. Um, especially for the first, uh, the first bit of it's just a lot of going over the katas, a lot of, a lot of stretching, going over the katas, the the rolling, the different types of rolls you do, and by that point you're getting kind of winded. So the rest of it's the rest of it's learning technique, which we spend about a good five to ten minutes, you know, with each other with different partners. Um, so yeah, no, it's a good way to lose weight. It may not hit all of the areas, but if you start it and you've been out for a while, you will feel it all over. Um, I, I I was I was leading into it earlier, but uh, the way that like so when I was like a wee kid and my parents wanted me to to to, to do one sport, they had like at this time Karate Kid had come out, and of course little baby Lesser with a full head of hair was like, oh, this is fucking sick. So my my mom and dad was like, hey, did the the the, the local dojo is having a um like a, a a a thing where when new people can come in and 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 like witness karate i was like fuck yeah i want to see fucking sick roundhouse kicks and shit and then like we go in there and uh again i was maybe five so like i was a little bee baby right and then we get into this dojo and people are fucking like, again, every time that you land a hit in a kumite, you have to do the ki Even when you don't, like, necessarily in a kumite, but you're, like, finishing a kata, which is, like, a a, a string of moves that you do. Uh, whenever you have, like, once you have to put emphasis on an attack, you typically do a ki And some people have one way of yelling, some people have another one. But these were fully grown men. And so to see a f- like a bunch of fully grown men screaming their ass off at, 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 like at once, and you don't know they do this, by the way. <laughs> Little baby Lesser just fucking started bawling his eyes out because he got fucking scared that a bunch of grown ass men were screaming at him. So uh, <laughs> I didn't pick up martial arts for a good decade or two. <laughs> but but let's let's be honest. If you don't scream your attack, is it even an attack? Are you well, even doing it right? 
I actually studied up on it, and there's actually like so. One of the reasons is to startle the opponent. It, uh, another one is to let your uh, let the uh, ref know that hey, I did a thing. But uh, there's also a thing of when you exhale, like when you're doing a kia, you're actually pushing oxygen into your muscles, which makes them do just a little bit more. Oh. You know, it's kind of interesting you bring up doing, because for karate and some kung fu movies I've seen, which as accurate as those are, um, I've seen them do the ki when they're doing attacks. Well, in Aikido, for the longest time, we never did when we're when we were uh, doing uh, attacks or when we were practicing technique. We would not um, actually do a ki with it. But when we joined with the Kyo Association of America, we went up there for a week to study at the main um, at the main dojo. We started hearing it. We started implementing it. It kind of took me off guard because I'm used to I'm not used to that much like aggressive energy coming from my Aikido classes. Kind of get the testosterone. <laughs> wow, we went from fucking magic to martial arts. We've been all over the fight spectrum. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, that is just the that's just the way of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I actually like when you guys were talking about like magic systems and all this stuff. I I, I started thinking about this video game. I don't know if any of you have played it. In, I think it's called Magic Cat. Magic something where you play where you're playing as uh, little uh, wizards. Yes, Magicka. That's a great, amazing game. I love it. Oh, I haven't yeah, played it in uh, a long time. Uh, and and the and the thing that I loved about it, okay, so uh, Claudia, I can understand that you 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 don't know about it. So basically, no, but uh, like keep talking you, about it. You you have about like six different elements or something. You have rocks, like earth, fire, water, wind, yada yada yada. And so the whole thing is that say you want to do a fireball, because if you just like if you buff yourself with fire, you're just gonna shoot out flames. But you want to do a fireball, right? So what you do is that you stack one fire and one rock. And now you're throwing a rock ball, like a ball of fire, because like you're combining those two. If you take water and fire, now you're shooting up steam. And so it, like I thought it was really cool that you actually had to fucking think around like the way that uh, to to like, how would I mix these things to make that thing and it was fucking cool as shit <laughs> you mentioned that the, the, me. the funniest thing is that that because my favorite thing is to build um what was it because because some of the elements cancel each other out water and uh fire obviously cancel each other out earth and lightning cancel each no, other that, out that, no that that no no that that created steam didn't it uh oh wait no it was something that did it, but because they'll yeah. cancel out. But like arcane and life cancel each other out, like to yeah. to a stupid amazing point. But it is fun when you start like messing with stuff. But like the environment would affect you because if you got wet and you started spamming electricity to power a spell, it wouldn't get slotted into the spell tracker because you have like five points to put for a spell. You would start zapping yourself consistently, yeah, yeah, and you could you could cast spells on yourself. Because you have to combine them with other spells. Like if you just put fire onto yourself, you just burnt self yourself on fire. Water on yourself, congratulations, you're now wet. And if you if you do like frost after that, well then congratulate. Oh wait, no, it was no wait. Fire and ice and made ice. water. That's what that's what it was. But 
you would you would end up doing that to yourself. Now you could give yourself armor to give yourself resistances to stuff, uh, but you have to combine that with like rock and uh, shield to to give yourself that that shield. But if you start messing with the wrong elements in the wrong ways, you just end up killing yourself just because you just you're basically just small bringing yourself into fucking dust. My favorite combo, but, but, though. but then you could also do, but then you could also like do the extra step where you could like shield. Ice and rock, and now you have like a rock armor with ice spikes coming out of it. Like you yes. could do some fucking crazy shit. Oh no, my favorite thing is art. It was arcane plus. It was basically like start a rainstorm, and they get arcane plus ice, and freeze them. But the coolest thing is like you would freeze them. They would get more and more and more frost over them until they exploded. It was the coolest shit. Um, the other great one is, like, you just get a rainstorm and you get them all wet with, like, a water ball, and then you just sit back, charge up five lightning, and just go to town as it just arc lightnings over all of them. Mix that with arcane, and the arcane hits the first one, and then the energy bounces to other ones. It was so much fun. Like, Claudia, I wanted to think about this. So, like, shield, right? Like, if you put a shield on yourself, like, then you have, like, a force field, and so... Whenever someone would attack you, it would kind of bounce off that force field. Now, imagine that you use the shield as a projectile. Now, all of a sudden, you have like a force push thing, like an explosion of force. So, like, I, I think that, like, from the little I have heard of Hunter x Hunter, it's like, it kind of operates on the same thing where it's like, it takes a concept, and then it just goes fucking, like, and then you can do dumb shit with it and that's kind of what magica did so you should really check that it's i think even your computer can run it yeah my old computer can, can I... run it and my old computer is like 2008 so uh, send me a link to it so i can like find a way to pirate it if possible uh, which you're obviously not going to do uh you're totally all oh, right 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 sorry i'm totally gonna well actually can I even buy it? Is the question. Um, it is. It's only ten bucks. Oh, oh, it is on Steam. I thought it was like old abandoned shovel. No, no, no. This is this is on abandonware. Yeah, no, this is on. Um, I actually, we actually, a friend of mine, we did get. I don't know why I don't have this still. Um, there's a there's a Lovecraft, uh, pack for Magicka that we got, and we played through Lovecraft with a friend of mine. It was so much fun. Okay. So I can buy, uh, just make sure I can buy this now. Okay. Yeah. What, Cloudy? What the fuck is it with you? First, I have you to, uh, like, I have to, like, scold you. No, no, you no, wanna... no, no, no. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Uh, like, I, I genuinely thought that, like, this, this, when you say old program, I think of, like, the old version of Magic the Gathering I could play on my Windows 98 computer, where it's actually impossible for me to buy it legally. Yeah, okay. Because when you when you say old system, I thought like old, Not like weird. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to like break out the CRT. <laughs> if this is like 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 it wouldn't if I could actually play it on my computer now and buy it legally, I will definitely. I don't have to yarhar fill TD. <laughs> yarhar. That is my defense. <laughs> okay, you don't feel bad about pirating. Well, no, I do feel bad about pirating. You you filthy pirate. I ninjaed. I ninja because I stole from a pirate. So <laughs> not not this game. Um, like Photoshop Seven, before they stopped 
uh, getting it because the guy had a disc. He let me borrow the disc, but never got the disc back. So I've had Photoshop 7 on almost all my computers. Not this new one because for some reason – my computer guy said, oh, you don't need a disc. You don't need a hard, you don't need like a CD drive or a DVD drive. Bitch, most of my shit's on physical media. I don't care if it's on streaming. I have everything on physical media I like to watch. So I have to get like, a, I, have, I have a capture card and it's got an HD, HDMI converter. I can finally plug a DVD player into it, but guess what I'm using it for? I'm using it to stream my freaking games. <laughs> Legit. Legit. No, it's legit. I mean, whatevs. But still, it's like super annoying. It's like, I don't have a DVD drive for this fucking thing. I remember but, when when I was first um, participating at, at, uh, in my classes of like um, uh, uh, design technologies. Wow, I had to just remember what I have for the bachelor in. Uh, uh, when, 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 when I first took classes in that, our teachers literally came in, okay, show of hands, how many of you people have a pirated copy of Photoshop? We're not going to judge you anything, but we really encourage you to get like a legal thing so it keeps updated, because if we're doing a, 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 a tutorial or something... And you don't have the thing that we end up using. We are not going to stop up so you can catch up. I was just like, it, mm-hmm. it, I remember it was so fucking wild that our teacher of like, of, of a university just go, hey, do you have the pirated version? Because that's fine. And I was just like, you, I don't think you should say that. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think you're allowed to say that. Well, all things Not. considered, when when the non-pirated version costs seven hundred dollars versus like zero, I mean that's kind of a big qualifier for a lot of for a lot of designers. Um, which is honestly yeah. why I like Clip Studio because their stuff goes on sale like every three months or so. So I ended up just spending one hundred twenty dollars just to get the freaking like EX version, the 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 Max version with all the stuff on it. So I. Uh, yeah, I just had to wait like two months and I've got Clip Studio and it's like does everything I need. I miss some stuff from Photoshop, don't get me wrong, but it's like I'll take those losses, I'll take the win with Clip Studio. Yeah. yeah. Uh we, we 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 were always told like okay, again, you can do you can use whatever version of the Adobe programs that you want. Just know that sometimes when you do, so, like, let's say that you do some freelance for some people, the cops might want to check whether or not you, uh, like, what version of Photoshop you used it for. And if they find out that you did it on a pirated version, you're fucked. Yeah. So I've been, uh, I've been, uh, 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 I've been giving my fucking life allowance to Adobe, but you know that that is the price you pay to make the web comic relief. Pledge to the <laughs> Patreon people. <laughs> <laughs> just a just a what subtle slide in there. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Pledge to the Patreon, and you can say first in his comments. <laughs> dude, dude, moron would get upset. <laughs> he, he would, but he's going to have to have competition someday. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, God bless. 
So I'm looking at at this list of, of topics. <laughs> You're still looking at the list. Things I am well, fluent uh, in. Yeah, well, is there any of this that you like, oh, I've, I've been fucking raring up, ready to go to talk about this shit. Is there, any, is there anything there you, that you wanted to cover? Because we, like, unlike when we had Emma on last week, we don't really have, like, a big pressing topic that we need to discuss. So I figured, like, we would just give you the floor here. Uh, it's more, more or less of what's, uh, okay. Okay, so you guys want to read? You guys want to want to hear what the list is? Because I think I gave uh, I gave lastly about a bit of a, a brain hemorrhage when you started reading it. Going, I don't know any of this shit. <laughs> yeah, I checked out. Like I read two lines. I was like, you know what? Fuck this. All right. So uh, we have paleontology. Is that how I say it? Yeah, paleontology. I study dinosaurs. My actual degree is a Master's of Science in Geosciences with an emphasis in vertebrate paleontology. My thesis was a description of an Allosaurus from Douglas County, Wyoming, uh, which, I, which I can go on for about because it was just be very beautiful, uh, beautiful bone. Um, and I've actually been to Bristol, England, where I gave a talk at the Society of Vertebrate Paleontology annual meeting back in 2009 and then subsequent 2010 uh, my paper was published on that talk. All right, uh, dinosaurs, feathers, yay or nay? Depending on the species, like that's the biggest. The biggest okay. contention is this: depending on the species, definitely, and more than likely not. I I I keep hearing that uh, like I I think it was the super best friend cast where they were covering like how they have just made the fucking T Rex a fucking bitch because. Apparently it was like, oh, it didn't actually roar. It actually made small little cuckoo sounds or something. I was like, okay, so, so, so we'll <laughs> diverge on that topic here really quick because they're more than like likely correct. Because the Tyrannosaurus Rex that roars in Jurassic Park is just not that feasible. Birds don't roar, and birds are dinosaurs. Birds are the most are the close related closest relationship to dinosaurs we have that are living. Second only, or, or and crocodiles are a close second because they're both in Archosauria, which is the the crowned reptiles. Um, is what the name translate is what the name translates to, if I remember correctly. So, but also alligators and crocodiles, they don't roar either. They make hissing sounds. They make low rumbles. They make low vibration sounds. So, a Tyrannosaurus rex's actual roar is not going to be of the bellowing, like elephant trumpet that is the Jurassic Park roar, it's probably going to be a That's lot so more cool. a lot more subtle and a lot more of the vibration you feel in your chest because it's probably going to be a lot more low frequency. Like when you know when you go to a concert and you're right next to the speakers and you just feel the vibrations in your chest from the music. And the music's not mm -hmm. that loud. It's loud, but it's not that loud, but you just feel the vibrations in your chest. Imagine if the thing making the vibrations in your chest wasn't a uh, wasn't a concert song, but instead was the giant ass thing trying to scare you to run. Like that, that, that doesn't make the T Rex a bitch. That adds an extra layer of fear to it because you can tell, you can pinpoint where the sound is coming from, but a low vibration is a lot harder to pinpoint. So you're being hunted by something that's making you feel like that, and you can't hear it when it roars. You can hear it when it moves, but you can't hear it when it roars or makes vocalizations. So tweets it's cause kind of really terrifying. What's that? It's actually really terrifying. Yeah. So so yeah. No, those guys are fucking full of shit. Like fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> 
T-Rexes don't roar. They have elder god powers of eldritch dread. Right. And this, okay. this, the science on that's <laughs> a little bit more – there's a little bit more to the science than that. But that's basically when I when I saw part of that uh, news report, I mean I thought that's kind of lame. But then as I think about it more, it's like, no, that makes it actually more terrifying for humans. For communication right. for dinosaurs and birds, it makes perfect sense. Um. But yeah, so there's paleontology. <laughs> there was uh, biology, evolutionary biology. Yes, I love history I, of. Yes, I love I love biology and evolutionary biology, and I really love comparative anatomy. It's what I really focused on in college. Uh, and then we got history of Sonic. Yes, I'm a history <laughs> of. <laughs> I am a huge Go Sonic on. fan, as anyone watching my stream can see, and anyone that saw the Discord. I did the 30th anniversary picture collage of almost. 30 plus characters <laughs> so that, I, I still saw that it's fucking insane yeah it's really well done man and i'm also a very big godzilla fan i've done history of godzilla presentations and paleontology of godzilla presentations and speculative paleontology at various uh godzilla convent at the g fest the big godzilla convention in chicago as well as other smaller conventions around the midwest <laughs> uh we have already covered magic systems and fiction then there is speculative biology, which I think is more or less in there as a meme to troll Cloudy. Well, no, because Cl- no, Cloudy, like, uh, Cloudy, I I love your enthusiasm <laughs> for when I basically broke down how how an underwood underworld werewolf should work, especially their physiology like, getting torn apart. The way you described it is like werewolves, like the closest thing we have in nature to like how they explosively transform is how caterpillars basically turn into goop and then into butterflies inside of a chrysalis. And that's like the closest thing we've got in the nature. The only other that's closest like, thing that doesn't turn it into goop well, is an octopus. But even then, the the shape changing isn't that drastic in comparison. Oh yeah, it's, it's more like camouflage and like changing pigment and shit like that. Uh... So yeah, no, we can talk about speculative biology. I mean, fucking a. Someone actually like, asked me that if if using monster hunter monsters was a good way to try and explain evolution. I'm like, no, that is a terrible way to explain evolution. If you want to do speculative biology on monster hunter monsters, fuck yes, we can do that. I'll take the fun out of it. <laughs> Don't you fucking dare! I'm, I'm gonna drop <laughs> you from this podcast. Drop me so faster fucking than fast. a cooler yet. Faster than a Kuliyaku will find well, well, a fucking egg. Well, okay, I swear okay, to Christ. Okay, well, let's, okay, well, how about we talk about this? Because I don't, because here's the thing. I don't want to take fun out of it, but there's so much stuff we have to consider about Monster Hunter monsters that no, Riser... No, 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 I will fight you. you. No, no, I'm not trying to take it away because I'm trying to, trying to understand because Monster Hunter is one of those series where they try and use actual ecology to explain behavior. It's like they try their best and I love it. And oh, I freaking love it. Um, uh, I, I remember like playing, so, uh, I keep bringing her up in every podcast, but, uh, me and Alice, we, uh, uh, Monster Hunter World was the first, uh, Monster Hunter game that she ever played. And, uh, and uh, Alice is like a huge, like big, big into animals. And so I just had like a fucking field day of watching her go nuts about like how, uh, that game depicted the monsters, like every, even like the smallest little critter has like a place in 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 the Monster Hunter world and I thought that was really cool. Uh 
What are your thoughts about that? Oh, thing? no, no. So so here's what here's so I love Monster Hunter because I love the monster design. I love dragons. I love giant monsters. I love the fact that these things look so freaking weird, and yet in the they're presented in a way that almost makes them feasible if you ignore a couple of laws of biology plus a couple of laws of ecology because I love the fact they have – because Monster Hunter World was my second experience of Monster Hunter. My first experience was Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, and I hated it. I hated it to death. A friend recommended it to me. Um, it's actually – the friend's actually on Twitch. It's Vix the Goblin. She or she has been a, a good friend of mine for over seven years, and she's a VTuber. She's a VTuber now, so if anyone wants to go check out some of her stuff, go ahead and tell, go ahead and tell her I sent you that way. But uh, she recommended Monster Hunter Four to me because that was like the most one of the most recent Monster Hunters we could get, and it's like you know what, I'll give it a shot. I hated it. I struggled trying to understand because the control scheme was so backwards for me. It didn't play like I thought it was going to be. I, I hated it. So 2020 comes around. Pandemic. A friend I met on Discord, which uh, Scream Atone, if he ever sees this, hi Scream, uh, is running, is going to do a 5th edition D&D Monster Hunter game. So I decide, and this is also after the time that their Monster Hunter World had, I've seen like stuff on the feed about like, all the Monster Hunter players were posting about like all these cool monsters coming out. And I'm watching them, like some of them look really interesting. So I thought, you know what? I'll buy Monster Hunter. I'll give it. A, I'll give it a second shot, and I fucking loved it. I enjoyed it so much at that point. Monster Hunter World, I think, is one of the pinnacles of the Monster Hunter game design in just the world. Like the the ancient mm. forest is so thick and it's so segmented and it's so vertical that I can lose. I I know my way around it really well, and it takes a while to bounce from one point to another. But it, it seems real. It seems like a real ecosystem when you dive into it. The same thing for the Coral Highlands. It's it's a little bit improbable, but I love that aesthetic. I love that from Chrono Cross, and I freaking love the Coral Highlands. Even the rotted, even the rotting veil makes sense as location in an, in a landmass with all these megafauna. So, and all these things like the insects, the the smaller monsters makes sense in the context of the game and even when you find them it kind of makes context especially when you start getting all the variants and all the new stuff that shows up it makes a lot of sense ecologically even if they are fictional creatures that's the coolest freaking thing for me especially for monster hunter world unfortunately i think monster hunter rise loses a lot of the intricacies of the uh environments because it was streamlined a little bit more for the Twitch, didn't have the processing power of like of high-end computer to run the game. But even then, it's still high quality stuff. And and Monster Hunter World, the environments are really good. The the monsters are done really well. And my one problem with Monster Hunter that I would love to see, and unfortunately I haven't played a lot of the Monster Hunter series. I downloaded Generations on my on my on my Switch. Haven't played it. Might do a blind playthrough of that at some point in the future. But where are the large herbivores? And, uh, and, I mean, you talk about like like brontosaurus size. Or are we talking about like the the ones that are like as big as cows? Okay, well, because they're kind of being running around being food. right. But here's the thing, because if we're talking ecological, and this is where I want to take a little bit of the fun out, but this is this is such a minor thing for me. But if you're going to talk about Monster Hunter, this this is going to pop up because I also noticed this when watching the Monster Hunter movie. Where are the large herbivores? Where are all the other small species that fill out niches? Because 
High-end apex predators and high-end carnivores make up less than 10% of an ecosystem's population. Everything else is filled with micro to macro herbivores, some smaller carnivorous stuff. You have omnivores in the middle. You have larger herbivores. We have Monster Hunter has all of these apex carnivores, all of these apex predators. Where are the other herbivores? Where is the rest of the ecosystem that we're missing here? And again, that's a minor thing because I want to fight. I want to get with Riser and Rojai, and I want to bully an Anginath into a corner with just a bunch of hunting horns because that was the most fucking fun I had with a hunting horn, which is basically <laughs> bullying that poor thing. So that doesn't take me out of the fact that this is a massive world with such intricate stuff. Um, even the desert in Monster Hunter World has a small oasis off to the side that looks like it's just a continuation of the ancient forest, but it's so beautifully melded into a transition into the desert. It's amazing. I love it. As a, as a biologist, as a paleontologist, and as a gamer, I think Monster Hunter World is just gorgeous overall. Mm. I think they And I think the Monster Hunter series does a good job of trying to add real-world ecology and ecological niches to its monsters to give them that extra sense of realism. So I really enjoy that. I really approve all of that. So uh, just to, to move on from that, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just have uh, one question, and that is, uh, what is your favorite monster then? Oh. <sighs> you have to ask. God damn it. Yeah. You have to ask. I have to ask. Yeah, okay, now we're going to talk favorite monster per game or favorite monster overall? Overall. Overall. Oh, that's a tough one. Because I can, I can point out the ones that I really like and also the ones I like to fight. Hmm. Um, I know Rathlos is a flagship monster, but I struggled with him so badly in World that in Rise I'm actually able to deal with him. I figure I can go back to World and deal with him. But it's also the flagship monster. I've got a little SH Monster Arts. Um, <sighs> God damn it, Riser, you put me in a spot. <laughs> How could you? How could you? Um, if you if you say Diablos, I'm just gonna eat you off the call. It's not it's not Diablos. <laughs> Diablos is getting more and more fun to fight, but it's still a challenge. Um, uh, I I'd I probably like have to BS. say Anjanath. Yeah, because that is such a funky ass looking T Rex. I like fighting it. I'm actually excited to fight because. Uh, I don't know if any if either of you are board gamers or you play tabletop games on side outside uh, of D&D but like um actual board games. Uh Steamforge Games is making a Monster Hunter World tabletop game and I backed it for every fucking thing and it is going to be freaking gorgeous. You've got like 12 hunters and with all the weapons plus an extra cast and stuff. Um but yeah, if I have to say favorite monsters, I really like Anjanath. I like fighting... Oh god, I have to remember the fucking name of it now. I like fighting uh, Magnamalo. Magnamalo is entertaining. Valstrax is a bitch. Oh my god, I hate fighting that thing. I hate fighting that thing because it just kills me every damn time. Um, and my counter peak performance does not stop its attack, its comet attack. Oh my god, it's so annoying. Uh, but apparently, a look at this Anjanath. Fuck off! Look at this Anjanath. Fuck off! Look at this Anjanath. Thinking about it makes me laugh. Makes me laugh. 
Oh, uh, just curse this puck. Cloudy, do you have a favorite Monster Hunter monster? I like Brachidios, because I don't understand how the fuck that thing should be alive. Brachidios. Is that the poison one with, like, the poison punching fists? It's it, in, uh, in my introduction to him was in Monster Hunter Three, so it was like slime. So it's like the slime. Okay. Yeah, the exploding slime. Okay. Yeah. No, that one's kind of fun. That one's funky. Um, what's the one with the blade on its tail? It's a Gladorus. Oh, yeah, Gl- uh, Gladilus. Gladilus. Okay. I like that one conceptually because that's just kind of freaking cool. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's fucking sick. Uh, I think. Thank you for asking. I think my favorite is Sinogra. Sinogra? Okay. Yeah, Sinogra is pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. Either that or Tobikadachi. I just think, like, the, like, the thing about Tobikadachi is, like, it looks like a f- big, angry fucking ferret. And I think that's cool. No, uh, <laughs> I, no I really do like that one, because it's like, it, it looks like a snake with the body of of a small cat and the the membrane of a flying squirrel. I'm sitting here going, "This thing's freaking cool," and it's 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 electric too. The feck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's actually pretty cool. Okay, so I'll ask you, Riser, what's your fa- what's your favorite weapon? Not necessarily your main, but the favorite like that you like just you know in theory in style. This is gonna surprise a grand total of no one, but I think that it is probably the hammer. Just because I love the idea, like, if anyone have ever seen the dude on Twitter, Suni Le- uh, Legends, I think his name is, he just, like, does a bunch of uh, Twitter compilations of, like, really well-presented clips from video games. If anyone's ever seen his Monster Hunter ones, there's ones where, like, the, um, uh... I don't forget. No, Gigante from Monster Hunter Worlds, where he's like jumping at him and he's like reeling up the hammer, you know, like swinging it around, getting that momentum. And then he just does the big fucking uppercut with it. And he, and he hits the Negigante square in the face just as it's about to hit him. And the Negigante just gets sent flying backwards, tumbling as over heel. Uh, the tail flies off for some reason. No, the, the, the fangs comes off. and Because you knock every tooth in its mouth loose. That is so cool. I hate using the weapon, but when you get that good... Mm, and you just like hit someone in the face with it, it's the best i i think that's hilarious because you basically just hope you just basically scored a home run for your entire hunting team when you did that that's amazing uh (laughs) what was it it's like i never understood why you sharpen a hammer the entire point of it is to be blunt (laughs) like it doesn't need to be sharp (laughs) that's a game mechanic it doesn't make sense you need to you need to dig in that bluntness (laughs) (laughs) you need need to groove out all the bluntness no a friend of mine uh zeranius who's watching which shout out to you zeranius uh, actually pointed out to me like no you polish the hammer and you sharpen the handle i'm like that still doesn't make any sense (laughs) (laughs) uh what about you cloudy uh okay i don't i don't know if this is gonna bring any contention because uh i really like the insect glaive that's fair it's, it's it's dumb and to be fair, like my introduction to that was like playing Monster. I I feel I feel bad because like I wanted to play Monster Hunter World, but I didn't have a way to play it for the longest time because my computer's ass. So my I I had the most fucking fun time in four, yeeting myself around using the fucking insect glaive. 
The moveset for that weapon is also just like fucking cool. Cause you're doing six spins around your back, under the arm. You're doing, you're flipping and dipping, flying all over. It's fucking rad. It, it, it like before, like I believe weapon. that was like that. Like it, it really does. It, it's a very, it's, it is a very fun weapon. Like honestly, the insect part is what makes it a little bit eh, because you actually have to aim it and like get make sure you have your buffs allocated. Because yeah. as flashy as it is, you're not getting a lot of DPS out of it unless you like actually coordinate the fucking bug to work with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Which, when you get it going and you're in a rhythm, you have this, like, really funky-ass flow, just, like, zipping around the monster, like, taking its blood and, like, stabbing it in the back and then running it like a fucking showbull. That's really fun to it, me. I am a trash human. I, I can't, like, I, I was kind of okay with it alone, and then I saw actual people who were good at the game, and I'm like, oh, I can't do this. But no, like uh, conceptually, it's fun. But like it's 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 like at, at like at the moment, it's like a tie between like my ideal of what the insect glaive is and like me actually using the charge uh, the charge glaive. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna be a little bit of point of contention because my the the weapon I I enjoy the most and I like conceptually, uh, and the, is also the one that I main, charge blade. It's a yeah. fucking transforming weapon that goes from a shield, a sword and shield, to a giant axe where the shield is the actual axe blade. How can that not be fucking fun? The switch axe is also kind of pseudo-fun. I built a couple of high-end of those just to mess around with them for a bit. But no, the transforming weapons are just a little bit, just seem a lot more fun. A little bit more combo, a little bit more intensive, intensive of just trying to understand how they work and how they flow. And oh my god, they're... They look so fun when they go from sword and their sword and shield to axe. It's just amazing. Um, I, I I adore how in in world and uh, and now rise as well, where they have given you the option of like with the switch axe, where you just jump up on the back of a monster and you just jam the fucking sword into them and you just start fucking firing it off inside of them and then until it explodes and you get sent flying off. Like that's the cool. That is shit. some of the coolest shit. Like I, I like some. Okay. I like, like I like some of those mechanics, although. I really would. I want to spend some time at some point in the near future learning how to do the, how to do the axe hopper, freaking DPS explosion because you just turn into an anime axe wielding protagonist with that point. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite videos about oh, how yeah. to do charge blade actually is so like axe hopper, like introduction axe hopper, anime <laughs> anime girl in midair with an axe slamming to the ground explosion. <laughs> like, I don't even know what anime it was. From. Like you. You know that like Attack on Titan GIF where you have Levy like basically turning into a buzzsaw down yes. a Titan's arm? That's what I that's what I imagine. Well, no, no, well, no, that's the, the dual blade. You got that with the dual sword. Yeah, uh, dual blades uh, have straight up that complete with tracking the back of a uh, like if you uh, hit this, you 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 uh, follow the curvature of the back of the monster and just spin from from wherever you hit to the back of it. Beyblade, and Beyblade. in. Uh, yeah, and in <laughs> and in Monster Hunter Rise, you get like a uh, a unique dodge that is, uh, I think, the Mikasa uh, twirl, where like she like she just d- does a quick spin and then like cut through something. Like they knew they knew that this weapon is for <laughs> you if you like fucking Attack on Titan. Here's the funny thing though, <laughs> oh, yeah. that 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 spin that Beyblade spin thing was actually introduced before Attack on Titan. I think it was introduced in Monster Hunter 4 in one of the opening cinematics. Sounds about right. Yeah. 
Now, but I, I was never I was never able to pull it off in game, so I don't. Yeah, no, I no because because trying to do it, the mounted stuff it, in four was super janky when they introduced a lot of that that vertical exploit. Because I went back to four to play around for a bit and just to try out some some new weapons. Because apparently, because apparently, I still have my charge. I'm still charge blading it up really well. So I was like, I want to try like insect glaive or a, the 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 big sword. Uh, <laughs> Which is still clunky as hell. Which I, which I, which I also never understood. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're moving so slow with it out, why are you moving so slow with it strapped to your back? The weight is the same. That's a, no, a shut that's up. a hot take. It's a hot take. Uh, so yeah, we uh, we 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 also covered that. Then there was uh, geek culture history. Oh yeah, I've I'm kind of fascinated with and disappoint and fascinated and disappointed with the way that geeks have been portrayed in media because I consider myself a geek since you know I'm not completely socially inept and I'm pretty well versed in both like science literature and pop culture, but the way that sometimes the media interacts with geeks and portrays them, you know, where the, it's still the neck beard, uh, you know stereotype you know we're living in the mother's basement kind of thing like those are stereotypes from back in the 70s from all crying out loud that hasn't changed and still viewed as an insult even though effectively what is what was what was geek you know pop culture or the stuff that we were really into has become more and more mainstream and yet the individuals who were you know championing that this stuff is actually pretty good you know you just need to give it a shot or give it a direction that's going to work for you uh, keeps getting shit on. Yeah, I uh, I remember that uh, I don't I don't recall who 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 it was who said it, but there was someone who at one point said, "Don't fucking come to me today when you have shit on me being a nerd for all this time, and suddenly call yourself a nerd when you haven't fucking canceled a full weekend to play D and D." Like I fucking earned this i have worked for this i have lived through all the scorn and ridicule for all this time and now you just want to come in here and call yourself a nerd without having to withstand any of that shit here's the thing my view on it's kind of odd because the stuff that we the stuff that we liked especially as social outcasts especially before the advent of the internet where we actually found that we weren't the only outcasts out there especially when i lived in a small town i had like no one else but myself that I was interested that was interested in any of this stuff. Like I was the only one interested in like video games or Star Wars or any of this other stuff, right? So I really had no one else until we were able to actually get internet and I was actually finding people that were also like, you know, I could network with people, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to start gatekeeping the entire nerd community, but I also think that we should be getting still be getting treated better than we are in media because um so Ghostbusters 2016. There's mm-hmm. a scene in the movie where oh, a couple of I'm presuming they're bloggers. I don't know. I haven't seen the full scene, the full movie, but I don't know the scene. Um, go up to the some of the main characters, asking them questions about what's going on, and their first response is to go back to your mother. Why don't you go back to your mother's basement? And the thing is, these two characters are portrayed. These two characters that came up to ask the question, these bloggers are portrayed like. Your classic neck bearded, thick glasses, you know, nerd slash geek, like socially awkward people like the rest of us are. 
and the first thing is to brush them off and say, go back to your mother's basement. I'm like, that's actually really fucking insulting, right? Because mm. I, as much as my mom wants me to move in, love you, mom, but no, um, I don't, I don't live in with my parents, and a lot of us don't. But it's also, it also has a double thing of stigmatizing people who do live at home due to their economic situation, which is both, both are terrible things. Absolutely. I, I tell this to Lassa all the time, how, how expensive it is to live in America. It is. And I cry when he tells me about what it's like in Denmark. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's not the best. But it, it's, in my ex, the last I knew, my ex was still living with her parents, with her brother and sister who were, you know, of age. They're over 18. They couldn't move out. But it's just so much easier financially to stay, stay with family right now. So I think that's both a, an insult to the people who live at home, who do so for financial reasons, but also to still stigmatize geek culture that they've been that has been getting kind of pseudo co-op co-opted. It's not that I want geeks to have recognition over or dominance over the media. I think that's really a terrible way of looking at it. But I think that they should at least be given a little bit more respect because now that their stuff is becoming a little bit more accessible to more people. They're actually finding enjoyment in it. The, the, stig- the stigmata of being a geek and a nerd should be lessening and not be used as an excuse or a fad or like a raw, I'm so random kind of thing as, as it is kind of the, the, the outcast position we were put in by them. Now they want to be this because now it's becoming the more acceptable thing. I understand a little bit of the gatekeeping. I disagree with it because I, I think that as a community, we would be welcome to have more fans of our stuff. But at the same time, it's it, there's a little bit of bitterness because geeks I have have what I refer to as uh, aggressive defensism because we are we we lash out even at each other over stuff, mm. and it's not exactly the best way of of trying to make friends or allies in in a fandom. Because we have to have competitions where I'm the biggest fan. No, I'm the biggest fan. And we have to start jouting out, like, factoid battles about who knows what. And, like, if you don't know what this character's third grade cousin, third grade teacher's second cousin is, you don't belong in the fandom. No, I think that's kind of bullshit. Do I think yeah, you should yeah. have at least a little bit of, of understanding of what it is that got you into the fandom? Sure. Like, like for example, if you got into, into, into the Sonic fandom because of the Sonic movie, good. You know about the Sonic movie. I know about the Sonic movie too. I don't expect you to get all of the sing- all of the individual references that they put in that movie as to why they're relevant. But you enjoyed the movie, and that's what got you into the fandom. We should be more accepting about that, but also mm. not be as open, openly accepting of everyone like the furry community is, in which we get a whole, in which the furry community gets a whole bunch of like deplorables in because they're 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 super inclusive of everyone that even remotely says that hey. I'm a furry. Let me come in here and start up some wow. shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I, I see where you're coming from. Cause like, there's gotta be, there, there has to be a line, but you shouldn't like, you shouldn't have one. You shouldn't have a high barrier of entry and you shouldn't like excuse a lot of deplorables for coming in. Like if, if someone's like generally just starting, starting to get into like a fandom and you actually care about that shit, you shouldn't be pushing and kicking people out. The only people you should be kicking out are the ones being really fucking creepy and like using the fandom to 
prey upon its members like a horrible person. And even even you could even argue to not to kick out some of the toxicity in the fandom because there's there there's there's toxicity in every fandom. Oh god, the Sonic fandom is so full of bile and vitriol. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. I actually don't consider myself a member of the fandom community. I'm a member of the fandom, but not the fandom community because the community sucks, right? Oh yeah. And I, and and the thing is, that's the same for a lot of communities. Like I was involved in the Godzilla community for a while, but then it just breaks down into like which monster can beat up which monster, and I get fucking bored with those conversations. It's just screw attack death battle. Just go watch that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. All that matters is in the story is how the has how the writer lets Godzilla win. That's all that matters. Um. Mm-hmm. So. Is the fun fight? Is the, is the fight entertaining? That's the thing. But like for for geek culture and the way geeks are represented, is we're still sort of ostracized, even though the stuff that we like is so mainstream. But I don't know if it's a combination of the of the of the geeks as a whole self ostracizing themselves because they feel like their culture, which isn't really their, which is really weird to call it a culture because it's it's not. It's stuff that we like, right? It, it's stuff that we enjoy and that we like. And we and they feel, and I I know they feel this because I felt it too. That their stuff's being co-opted by people who may not respect it as much as we do, but at the same time, that is a bad way to look at it. That's a super bad way to look at it because it shouldn't it shouldn't be. Do you care about X to the point that I do? It's do you enjoy X? And that should be the end of the discussion. If you do, then great. We can talk about it. Like, what did you like? What did you What did you like? What did you not like? Oh, if you like this, then I want to check out some of this other stuff. You know, help the fandom community grow and not be toxic little shits about it, but also try and work towards being and, – and try and try and hopefully have the media give the image of the geek be less of this social outcast that hates everything and we're all just man-bearded – we're all just neck-bearded man-children who hate everything. Um. And work to build that because because here's 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 another way I put it with when I was having lunch with my roommate. Um, I don't want to be gatekeeping about anyone getting into a fandom because it it, it takes the fun out of it. It really does, and you, and you 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 lose more new fans that way than anything else. And I I hated the Star Wars movies. I hated when they came out, and I hated after I think about thought them for a bit, and I just I just generally dislike them. But some people would say that they were the best things ever, and they would love them. And the way I looked at those people was that, um, you would like you would like a piece of shit if it had Star Wars stamped on the side of it with a little trademark symbol on it. You would buy you would buy that and you would eat that up. But here's mm-hmm. the thing: I'm also looking at it in that instance the wrong way. What I should be looking at it, and what we should be looking at it in in context is. We are getting new media. So I like Sonic, and I like Godzilla. I don't like a lot of the way that some of the stuff's been going for either of those you know, franchises. But I'm just still kind of glad we're still getting media presented. We're still getting movies made. We're getting video games made. I may not like the direction, but I do like that we're getting that stuff made, and it's bringing more people into the fandom, which is honestly probably the way that those people who I would say are just you know shills for Star Wars – also feel is that they're glad we're getting new media made. Whether it's good or bad, we can argue the points about it, but we should at least admit that, you know, it may not be it may not be like grade A tier amazing, but we're still getting stuff made that's keeping the conversation and keeping the franchise alive in the pop culture's, you know, mindset. Mm-hmm. So and and uh you bring up an thing about politics. Well, 
there's a sideline to that about politics being in media, which is another complete, complete, complete discussion, which is actually the bottom bullet point of things we could talk about, which we're kind of hitting on everything a little bit. Uh, I, I, I just wanted to, to touch about this whole thing about being a nerd. Cause, um, like I, I will, I will qualify myself as a nerd, but, uh, I always thought that I was, uh, and, and uh, pardon if this starts sounding self-grandizing because it's really not supposed to be. If anything, it's the opposite. But I always thought that I was like the, the, the biggest kind of nerd. Like I'm fucking running a YouTube channel where I review comics. It doesn't get much more nerdy than that. But I have come to find that uh, I am not actually as nerdy as a father was. Because I've reached a point in my life now where I'm like looking at people who are talking about anime. And they are going fucking nuts about anime. Like, oh my god, Bakugo from My Hero Academia said this? What the fuck? And, and I'm just like going, who the fuck cares? And then uh, there's like, oh my fucking god, they're releasing a new this video game. And I'm like, I'm, I guess that's going to be interesting to, to, to play. And then it's like, oh my god, fucking Star Wars is so good because such and such. And I'm like, okay. Like, I, I, I've come to realize that I'm very, like, casual about these things. And I've come to, like, I, I have friends who are, like, super nerds. I, I was at a bachelor party this weekend. And uh, the initial conversation was... What are we going to do for his bachelor party? Are we going to hire some strippers? Are we going to go out drinking? Uh, paintball? What are we doing? And the first suggestion by the groom's brother was... Uh, we were actually thinking of maybe uh, uh, just uh, taking all of the Lord of the Ring DVDs and just watch those. And I'm like, I think I would rather die. Like this is a this, like this is a moment for celebrate. Like you can do this at any point. Come on! Like I'm not a very social person. I hate going out drinking or whatever. But you're getting married. Like you're not gonna fucking sit here and jerk off about oh, fucking Gondor. It's pretty. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Go out and get shit faced. Do some dumb shit. That's what it's all about. So uh. I, I, I've reached that awkward point where I'm like, I, I'm not really part of, like, I'm, I'm not part of the cool kids that uh, aren't into nerdy shit, but I'm also not part of the nerds because I'm, I don't care enough, and it's fucking weird. I think there's a point where, I don't want to say the excitement or the, 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 because I don't, because you still get enjoyment from a bunch of stuff that comes out, it's just. The, oh. the amount of excitement for the hype dies down considerably, I think, as we get older, because we realize the hype is not always often lived up to or sometimes blown out of proportion for what it is. So I think that that's kind of a viable thing. It's like, yeah, I would kind of agree. It's like you can watch The Lord of the Rings on any given day that you want to if you want to watch, spend 12 hours watching, you know, grown men kiss each other. Sure. Um, not that there's anything gay about that. Um, but you kind of there there's a point where i think in culture that you know people getting excited over all oh, this other shit and that's making drama news more than it's making actual important news kind of derives into an entire thing about you know how obsessive are we about the stuff that we care about that we 
may or may not be so devoid of personality that we have to make that our default personality. But again, it's like, as kids, I think this is what it boils down to, is we had to spend every single day defending our interests in this stuff from other people who would mock us for it, right? Like, I liked Pokemon in in uh, in uh, middle school and high school. I got mocked for it. I like Godzilla and dinosaurs and all this other stuff. Like I was in, I was in a bunch of I was going to school with a bunch of farm kids who cared about cars and tractors and you know sports and other stuff that I didn't care about. But I had to sit there and defend my stuff from them so much that it became second nature that when someone offers the slightest bit of criticism, we have to go on the offensive because now we're being personally attacked because for the longest time. That's kind of what happened to us, being as isolated as we were from other mm. people who shared our interests. So um, I think part of that defensivism comes from the fact that we that as fans, as isolated as we were before the Internet, we turned into very hyper aggressive defenders of our stuff, even if what we're arguing is not that important in the long run. Like, I, I don't care how strong one thing is compared to another it doesn't matter it really doesn't because it's all fiction we're arguing about the real the realities of fictional characters why does it matter i mean we still enjoy the the material in the media that's just uh that's just how it is i think the 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 point where i fell out of love with like I, I still enjoy her anime and, and mangas and shit. I, I I I still read it and consume it. But I like I fell out of love heavily uh, with this shit when I saw how people were reacting when the whole uh okay, this is a hot button thing. So don't don't flip out with the whole kick Vic thing. Mm. Uh, because like uh think of that entire case what you will that 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 is neither here nor there. But people were fucking flipping out about every small little fucking detail. And it became a point where this, this, is, this has long since ceased about being like legal shit. Now, you're, now it's just piss baby bullshit. Like, oh my god, they wrote this thing wrong. Uh, there's a spelling er- error in this thing. Oh my god, they're fucking idiots. Yada, yada, yada. And it just became like... It, it, I, I, am a, I'm a, I'm a person. I don't really tend to care that much about small stuff. I tend to care more about bigger things. And so, when so much energy is being, in my opinion, wasted on small, insignificant shit like the, like what you bring up, dear, who can beat who? It becomes who gives a fuck. Oh my god! Like people were flipping out in the in the Godzilla versus Kong movie. Like, oh my god! Actually, it should have been this creature that kicked the other one because such a, like. Did you enjoy the movie? Yes. Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! Just ah. I have. I have. I'm. I'm all for. I have two things because I think what you're feeling, and I, I can sum it up in one word, is exhaustion. And it it comes into the point where we're so oversaturated with it that we just get exhausted from it. And a funny thing on the Godzilla vs. Kong, I fully went into, because I still haven't seen the movie, but I know how it ends. um, I fully expected Godzilla to die. 
for no other reason than um, Warner Brothers slash Legendary only had Godzilla signed uh, rights for three movies, and Godzilla vs. Kong was the third. So, uh, spoiler alert, that's not what happens. So, I was actually really pleasantly surprised at that. I mean, we're probably yeah, going to get more MonsterVerse content in the future. Cool. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, I, I think what it boils down to is exhaustion. Like, we spent so long being hyped and excited for new things, for any new thing, for any new rumor or anything else here. But now we get to the point where, like, we're so bombarded with it constantly that you just don't care anymore. There's no point to care about it anymore because it's going to come out and suck or fail on its own merits. And there's really, at some point, it's kind of just, there's no reason to, to bitch about it anymore. Like, there, there's there's so much other stuff you could be putting your energy towards. Like, I mean, and, and here's a funny thing. Um, and I kind of like this idea that I think we should probably be doing a little bit more of is instead of bashing on something for so much for how it sucks, what could be done to improve it? That isn't just, you know, Oh, out and out random fan fiction because that's what's going to turn into anyways. But like, take a story or take a movie that was done terribly, like it was just it was just a failure. It fell flat on its face. How do you improve it, and what changes do you make to the story, to the characters, to the plot, to make it better? And I think that might be a better use of our creative time to both be a measure of yes, we agree that this sucks. How do we fix it? Not that it'll ever get fixed, but would this be a better way of doing that story? And using that as a way to help people get better at creative writing, to try and see about how much more of the stuff makes sense, and actually make a movement not to just shit on things, because that's a fam- that's the best thing to do all over the place. Because that's how you get views on YouTube, right, Riser? To love me getting views. <laughs> you must have confused me with someone else. <laughs> I must have confused you with someone more popular. Got it. Um, yeah. but, but instead, like... Maybe some suggestions about how to improve in some places. I know you've done this in – I know you've brought this up a couple of times on the webcomic relief, which I know I do appreciate you for doing that because that actually shows that, you know, you're not just going to sit there and shit on a bad comic. Like what are you – you point out the mistakes and it's like, well, why don't you take this a different direction that would make more – both A, make more sense and B, probably give a better sense of why this drama is happening and give it importance and give it weight to make us care, Right. So I think that might be a bit uh that might be a bit more of a better use of time rather than arguing about, oh, this movie sucks, this is why it sucks, this would never happen, this character would never be this way. Because I've gotten to the point where I would I will bitch about Lost World and Lost World Fallen Kingdom from them being shitty stories, but I'll also try and offer up ways to fix them to make them better stories and better viewing experiences. Mm. Cloudy, you've been uh, suspiciously quiet. Do you have anything to weigh in with? I think you just dipped. <laughs> um, can you guys not hear me? We can hear you now. We can now. <laughs> um, I'm kind of... I'm in this weird position because I feel like we're all... We all have different takes on this because I am... I would consider myself one of the fans. Like, one of the really hyper fans. But uh, at the same time, I'm a fan of a series that is... Ne- that I have just accepted is never going to get like attention ever again. I love Earthbound. I love the trilogy of games it was. I love that every I get the the main reason I get excited for Smash Brothers is because I get to see Ness and Lucas be playable in some kind of way again. But like I'm in this position where 
you see you see me get really excited and really invested in whatever little tiny thing and get hyped up and then like when I want the when I want the company to release Mother Three, it's not because I want a new game. I actually would prefer it if they didn't, but it's like there's this notion going around in the community that after the third game came out, the original creator was like, uh, I don't want to make the game anymore. I want someone else to make Mother Four so I can play it for myself. And for the longest time, I got really salty because games like Undertale, things like Homestuck, uh, Omori, uh, Lisa the paint, Lisa the expletive, like all these games have the same feel of it, and I used to be very gatekeepy about it. But like as I got older and I stopped giving a shit, it was I, I found more appreciation for all these games because they all. If you wanna, if you wanna argue back and forth, like all these, all these like like Western RPG game maker stuff comes from the love of this one series that I'm I fucking adore. But the more I go into it, and the more I actually like see them for what they are, it is, it's just it, it's just really genuinely passionate love letter to that series. That's also their an expression of themselves. And I think that's, like, the thing about fandoms or, like, fan projects that I love the most. Uh, on YouTube, aside from, like, watching Riser all the time, the one the you know, things I watch normally are, like, really overly long video essays on, like, some IP, some property. Lately, I've been getting, watching a lot of, like, Fallout content. And I've never played a single fucking Fallout game in my life. Never played New Vegas or 3 or 4 or... 76 i never even gave it a fucking like second thought but like i'm want but like there's like so much content out there from like people who genuinely love this series to the death they will go down and analyze every little thing like use their headcanons to like patch up the holes for what could be bad writing but they turn it into something engaging and like there's something about like having a property when you kind of remove yourself from all like the weird drama and politics and you just see something for what it is and then you see somebody interacting with it in a way that's just nothing short of passionate it's really fun to me for me to watch i think that's why i prefer like web comics and web animations more to like hollywood stuffs or professionally made stuff because i when you have like the base content and you have like that's usually the product of a bunch of professional people working together following one vision. But then you see like a fan work or a fan fiction. That's something that's unique to one person's perspective. And even if the things they aren't right, you can see their interpretations like clear as day because people just don't have that kind of filter. Mm -hmm. And it's just weirdly engaging to see. That's the kind of thing that people always label as fucking cringe. Like, oh man, I can't believe you spent like eight, 28 fucking hours making a three hour video explaining how the, this bomb falling in the middle of the Mojave Desert made aliens. And, but it's like, when you actually sit down and like watch it, it's insane fucking rambling, but it's also just... You love this thing so much. You actually found a way to make this work. Um, in like the in like the circle of anime, 
Uh, I think I, I think we'd all generally agree, like, Anitubers as, like, a genre are horrible people. Uh, but... Like, uh, but, like, uh, Ro- like, Rosaru and I, like, agree. There's, like, one person we can agree who isn't a total fuckbag, and it's, uh, Teching 101. And the guy, his whole channel is, like, the definition of cringe, and he owns it. It's, like, he, he's a really big fan of Bleach, and then that, that ended... And then he starts, so he does, like, One Piece reviews now, and he loves that. But it also, like, touches upon, like, uh, every, the other so odd, like, manga and anime that comes up. And he just talks about it. And it's just the most basic display of actual passion you see from, like, a real fan. And I think that's just really fucking cool, you know? Mm. Like, you, 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 you can... Like when you when you when you're like watching anything, the point of any product is to get some sort of joy off of it. And when it comes to like people who do like fight debates, people who make fan fiction, people who make who just take this thing and make something else with it, I can't like e- like as long as they're not hurting anybody or gatekeeping anybody, that's like a, that's nothing but like a sheer expression of joy. And it's like I can't really find much like wrong wrong with that. So when you see those people like getting called cringe or getting shit on, yeah, it sucks, and uh, it's hard not to see. Un- it's hard not to see why they get like super defensive about it. But at the same time, it's like, they, like a lot of the times they don't deserve the flack they get for just liking a fucking thing. So, and you know, like, I I can totally get for like the whole um. To like the whole, hey, I want to watch the twelve-hour thing on my wedding. I agree with you to an extent, but at the same time, I don't know how much they care about that. Because media products, like they're going to mean something to somebody else. Everyone has that initial thing that's gonna resonate with them in a certain way. That like, if someone looks at you, they're just gonna call you a fucking idiot for being attached to it, but that doesn't fucking matter because it means a lot to you and that's all that matters to you. Like, I think that, like, having that thing, having that, like, whole notion to be attached to something so you can, like, express yourself through it or, like, make sense of something, that's something really cool to see. Mm. And when it gets mired by all these dramas, all these fights and all these like, vying for attention, being exploited by Hollywood for millions of dollars and still getting shit on. Like, sometimes you kind of just gotta take a step back and be like, hey, I like this thing, I'm gonna enjoy it now. And just do it. I don't know where the fuck I was going with this, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really a guy who's like, who doesn't really care, but I'm not really at the same time who engages with a lot of communities. I just like to see people really happy with the things that they love. Yeah. And part of that also ties into, because you said when, when other people look in, look from the outside looking in, it's cringe. Which yeah. I think ties into the way that people are kind of viewed, which the way the geeks geeks and nerds and, and pop culture are viewed is that we're kind of viewed as cringy. Because we do have this encyclopedic knowledge of all this stuff. Like, you were talking about watching a bunch of Fallout content. I've been watching a lot of just Dark Souls lore. Like I've never played Dark Souls. Yeah. I I watch it being played as like one of the fucking hardest video games ever, and you know what? Sure, 
but the lore i started getting i started going down the rabbit hole of the lore and it's such a different experience i don't think any of these guys mm-hmm. are cringe i'm not a member of the dark souls community but i have a respect for having that much just lore information rolling around in your in their heads from going through and the amount of time it takes to make that kind of content is for one thing that's that's extraordinary and that does show a massive love for the craft which you can't deny I mean, it's it's the same thing as as any kind of as any actual cla- as any classical painter or classical illustrator, uh, the love and and the crafting they put into their technique. It's the same sort of thing. It's just in different media. I mean, could mm-hmm. even point that towards Riser as saying, "Oh, you spend how much how how many hours on this hour long takedown eleven video series on Lost Lindas?" It's like, well, because it matters to him, <laughs> and it's an important thing for him to go into. So. I, I don't judge anyone for that. I think it's really wrong to judge people for that. But sometimes pop culture does judge people based on that. I mean, as a as a fan oh, of yeah. a fandom, it's like if you really want to get under their skin, start asking them about football facts or sports facts that they follow. And like, how is that any different? It's really not because sports fans are basically geeks that follow stats and follow a different story. But they're the same. They're, they're the same down at the mm-hmm. basement. But they get more. They're, they're more they're more accepted in mainstream than than geeks and nerds are, which is kind of disheartening because of you know as much as geek and nerd culture has shaped pop culture, we're still on the receiving end of uh, end of the end of the end of the stick for that. And by the way, Cloudy, to be fair, your your computer would probably commit seppi if you try to run seventy six on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh um. When you mentioned like sports geeks, I like. I think like the best comparison I ever I ever heard like just like just came back to my mind that people who like follow fantasy football religiously are basically just Pokemon trainers. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're just like following. They're like they're following these people as if they're fucking Pokemon and like screaming at their stats. Like why why did you not live? You were the chosen one. I. I uh, wanna breed my Messi with Ronaldinho. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, oh no, we're not. We're not um, but like, uh, I, I gotta touch on this before like we move on or go to the next topic. But it's like, uh, it's that's also like a huge reason why I kind of like did the deep dive into like following Homestuck, because if you look at it purely for what it is, it is a fucking atrocious mess and i will say that but it's also probably the most like one of the most loved series i've ever seen and i don't mean loved as in like the fan like the fans like you know were obsessive over it that that was a thing definitely it was a pretty big thing in its time but like you see that there's so much that the that the people who are reading it they're not only involved but they like they they've got their like smudgy fingerprints all over the story and on all aspects of it it is a series made as like a collective like a lot of people have their own passions put into fucking homestuck and they like run wild with it fucking paradox space like created that that like whole idea that like a fan can make your take your concept and it is like welcome into this universe no matter how cool or dumb or cringy it is and like i love things like that that just enable a fan's passion for 
for like the work and it's even in like the worst fucking things like ruby and homestuck when you can like have something so you can like enable the people watching it to engage with it to find something good in it that they can hold on to really tightly i think that's like one really good measure of success you can take away no matter how bad they are if somebody loves it you fucking won bro my if you're talking about fandom fan created projects based on the property I have a couple of, of odd comments on that because one, yes, it is nice to see that they have that much drive and passion for it that they want to to do that. But at the same time, a lot of the fan projects kind of just fall apart and they are, and even from within the community, they are cringe themselves because they're so obviously badly written. They're bad fan fiction. They're just bad stories. They're, they're terrible all around. That happens all the time, no matter what fandom you're in. But I also kind of view it as I would rather see you put that interest in the stuff that you like and that you enjoy and turn that into something original. Don't make it a carbon copy of what of what you've had. Don't don't make the same content going over the same like fifteen Star Wars lightsaber fights, right? Oh some of that stuff is cool, don't get me wrong. Some of that stuff's really well done. But I would like to see more original stuff based off of your love and the, the, the things that you love about that project or that franchise. And then turn it into something that might combine things you like of other franchises or, or other like stories and messages you want to try and portray. And then turn that into a thing and then have that show off and have that be what you're known for more than being a fan artist. Cause, because part of my problem is that I'm known as... It's terrible because I do fan art. I go to conventions. You've all seen my art. I go to an anime convention. I'm mm -hmm. the Godzilla guy because I have drawings. I'm the only one there with Godzilla. I go to the Godzilla convention. I'm known as the Sonic and anime guy because all I have is because I have Sonic and anime along with my Godzilla stuff. But what I really want to be known as, I don't want to be just known as that, but I want to be known as the guy who the guy who draws Marshall Star, right? I want to be known as one of the creators of our thing. And it's hard to get noticed for that because it's so easy to, it is so easy to dive into just the fan, the, the fan art hole and be known within the community as a really good, really prolific fan artist when you want to be known as something else. So it, it's a dangerous hole to dig in. And if you start diving into the fan fan projects and the fan creations, it's hard to dig yourself out of the hole of being recognized as nothing else, but one of the top creators in uh, a fandom, and then we, we've also have I have stories where sometimes the top creators and the 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 top stars within a fandom are themselves just shitty people, and that that's that's happened more and more times than I like to think and I like to count. But at the same time, I, I'd like to be like to slowly transition out of that into my own work, which I which I would like to see other people take that step. I can't force them. No one can force them, but I would like to kind of keep making steps towards making something unique that it may be a spiritual successor to what you want to work on because that's happened and that's been really successful in some in some circles. Mm -hmm. Or take like stuff like Homestuck and then you you add more to it and you eventually start making it own because at least don't try and blatantly copy it with a replaster of uh, stuff like Project Second. Um, yeah, but no, you could because what was it like? Like, hate or like 
Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades started off as Twilight fan fiction that the author took as their own and turned it into a completely different thing and made it really successful. So, um, so there's that. Um, you see, I don't like the no more, and I'll comment. To, I'll comment on the chat here because I don't like the hashtag no more fan art. I don't like that. What I like to do is show well, me, I, I, show okay, me your original work. Show me your original stuff. Show me your original characters. When I go to conventions and I find artists I like, I ask, I actually ask them, is this your own thing or is this more fan art? And if I find something that's their own thing, I will buy that over the fan art. And I think I cut you off there, man. No, I, I said I think she was just making a joke. Uh, but uh, I think uh, unless... Claudia, you have any uh, anything to add here at the end, or for that matter, Di, if you want to have a thought uh, to finish, I think it's time to get into the the mails. <laughs> go ahead and dive in. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and dive in the mails. We've been diving into some heavy subjects. Let's get some levity back in here. <laughs> All right. Well, it's usually like the last the last things we're gonna get to. So let me just pull this up. Da, 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 da. Hey, Dia, do you, you know it? where you where you should send an email? In case you wanted it to be read up on the podcast, where would you send Oh, it? isn't that the webcastrelief at gmail.com? Webcastrelief at gmail.com. Uh. Yes! Oh. I, I am Ooh, surprised. I, I, rem- I, I remember that without even looking it up. I was about ready to look it up because I was afraid I butchered it. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. That made me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes my humor oh, lands spot on, but I'm not going to be able to make another good joke for the next six months. Uh, well, I, at least we caught you doing it this time. Yeah, at, at least it's been recorded. Yeah, it's recorded this time. three times yeah. over. My Twitch, your Twitch, and my audacity. Oh, yeah! the audacity of it all. <laughs> okay, we got another question from Why, Why Not, and she said, "Yes, from Why Not." Actually, another dumb question. By the way, I said the question was dumb. I didn't say I was dumb. Get off my shit, Cloudy. I will come for your kneecaps later. But. She says you get to delete one. You get to delete one piece of media from existence. No one will ever remember it existed, and all fandoms and content that exists because of it will disappear with it. What do you choose? Kind of poignant for the fucking topic we've been talking for like the last. Why not minutes. get out of my head? Get out of my head now! I will. I will trade you Cloudy's <laughs> kneecaps in a uh, trade for this for this boon. Okay. All right. So I, I have one. But uh, it's a joke, so right. don't get angry. The Bible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! We're just uh, hitting, we're just going we're just going straight for the throat, aren't we? Straight <laughs> for the throat. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, okay, that was a joke. Was that fine. hit me. So, <laughs> that, oh, so that sent me to the. Moon. I disagree. Because we would lose all of the art and scientific, uh, the artistic and scientific revolutions we got during the Renaissance, and we still would not have jetpacks. We still, ah, oh, man. Then what's even the point? At right. That point? Yeah. I mean, we we could have had jetpacks by now. We could have had jetpacks. Nah. But anyway, um, 
Lassa, do you have a serious one you'd want to delete from the universe? Thanos snap okay. out of existence. Uh, yeah. This is gonna land me in hot water as well, but probably um, probably Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- There's a lot of things th- to say about Steven Universe, but I think that was where I really just started to see some of the worst come out in people and 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 it was just like legit scary to 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 witness and i just felt like that it has no fucking it's no fucking place being this toxic and uh from what i can understand like again we established i think it was in the last episode that um that I I only watched like the first season, so take everything I say with like a bucket full of salt. But um, the for, like it's not even that well written from what I kind of said. Like there's a fucking point where and I and I actually wanted to bring this up in the last episode, but I never got a chance to. Apparently, Pearl, the character Pearl, has a, uh, was big in love with with Steven's mom, which is you know it's it is what it yep. is. But there's a fucking point, from what I can understand, where Pearl is fucking full-on considering murdering Steven on the off chance that it's going to bring his mom back or something. And I'm like, if you... And, and, and like, the show is apparently doing everything it can to justify, like, oh, no, she's just really sad. I'm like, when you're, when you're, when you're trying to justify... This behavior, even for the sake of drama, when you're trying to justify it, I'm out. Like, like this is not good. Like, it feels like again basing it exclusively off of what I've seen and and, and like video essays and stuff I've seen of, of the thing. But it is a, a show, a story that fails to do almost everything that i feel would be like the the right way to do it it's like oh we we want to uh, appeal to kids and then it has shit like that uh we want to appeal to adults and then it has shit like poo poo jokes and like kid, kid stuff oh we want to tell a point in story and then it does the like it just feels like nothing good came from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my answer. It's it, it, again, it's not gonna earn me any points. I know that fully well, but that's all I can think of right now. It's Steven Universe is a thing that's a very touchy subject because it did something very important for like the animation community in terms of like um giving like lgbtq rights so i'll always thank it for that oh yeah absolutely because like like she like as like sugar had to fight for the gay wedding at the end of the series like actually fight to to get that on and because of that now we get now more people get to have gay characters in their cartoons now which is good at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Like anything that can that can uh, that can encourage like more openness about the LGBTQ and 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 all that stuff. I'm I'm all for that. I just don't think that it has to be in the shape of <laughs> Steven Universe. I think is like the best way to say it. 
But that's pretty much all I'm going to get there, just because, like, there's a lot of things about that show I have feelings about. Like, I'll talk about it when I talk about Ruby in the extreme length. But try to think of, like, what something I'd delete out of existence. God, I, I, I wish this was, like, the opposite question, because, like, my... Because I have a lot of things I want to be made. But if I had to, like, remove something and everyone around it... Okay, so y'all know that fuck that anime where the guy falls in love with his sister? Just get rid of that. Uh, which one? Which one? You have, to, you have to be more specific. There was, like, a dozen of those. Uh, Oremo, the one that made a cameo in, like, that other one where he falls in love with his stepsister, but the catch is her stepsister draws lewd art. Oh, that's, uh, that one's, uh, Euromanga Sensei. The one you're, yeah, the one I think, one. I think, I think, the, uh, Riser had it with, uh, it was, uh, was, uh, yeah, you, I can't my, believe my, my sister is this cute. My sister couldn't be this cute. Yeah, that, that one I can't fucking remember. That, that, just, just everything surrounding that. Just to delete from existence. That that would be my choice. How about you, Dia? This is hard. This is hard because I'm thinking about it logically because time is like a river. <laughs> and if we get rid of oh, one God. particular media, then that affects the rest of the media that comes afterwards for good or for ill. So I have to think fair I have to think of stuff that doesn't have that much of a cultural impact. Yeah, like uh, I, I want to like quick, real, real quickly jump into that. Like I actually like this is I'm only answering this because like that that is the question we're right. getting. I legit don't want any media to to just be deleted because like I think like again like you say you can learn from it from good or from bad. So like I've, I've, I mean I, I don't want anything to go. I away. think Steven Universe is a valid one, but I want to go one. I want to go do another one. Uh, it's a valid response. I want to. I want to say. Star versus the forces of evil. Oh yeah, is that, isn't that the one where like it, it got really uncomfortable? The third the season was like, super uncomfortable, and the first this was so strange because the first season was so good. Second season Wait, was also was also pretty good. Yeah, there's three seasons. Uh, no, uh, what, Star, what, what was the show called? Star Sorry. versus the forces of evil. I. It was it was a it was a Disney show. It came on just after Gravity Falls, um, or pretty much came on about the time Gravity Falls was ending as a new Disney show. It's basically a interdimensional princess oh, with with powers yeah, comes okay, in to yeah. hang out on Earth and learn on Earth. You know, it had a lot of really fun humor, and the animation was really bumpy. It was really jumpy and stretchy, and was was really free form, and it looked really cool. Um, it looked really well done, and it was really well done, and it looked fun. But then, like season two came around, and the animation got stiffer, and then season three came around and just got heavy with some stuff. That's like they they had some interesting ideas that they didn't follow through with, which makes me really sad. Um, actually, no, I'll give you a twofer: Star versus the Forces of Evil for just basically failing to live up to its expectations, and the Godzilla anime trilogy for also failing to live up to its expectations. Oof. Yeah. Okay. Can can I can I real quick? Uh, so I'm talking about that that 3D animation show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, the, I I don't necessarily think it's the greatest thing ever. Don't get me wrong. But there was one thing I really loved about it, which is that like the in, entire first movie or part or whatever is like 
it's, it's so many people are dying. We spent an entire movie just killing this one fucking lizard. Oh yeah, that that was the kid. Yeah, here's the mom, and then the, like the the fucking <laughs> uh, the, the movie ends. That was like okay, okay, okay. That's pretty good. So here's the thing: <laughs> the first movie set up a lot of stuff, and they're not surprisingly they're not lizards. It's a fucking plant. It's a fucking goddamn plant. Oh boy. <laughs> not that not that not that I care. Not not that I care at all. Never mind. It's like Baka Baka Godzilla. Um, the first one set up a lot of cool stuff, and I think one of the best parts is when towards the end as the the larger Godzilla rises up from after the death of of one of its like budded offspring uh we get like a little bit of a dialogue that just lays down this this darker like, even a darker story for a Godzilla movie uh or darker darker theme for like the rest of the of the series um which was really impactful and I loved it. But then we get to like the second movie, which is just has people doing stupid things. It almost turns into the lost world fallen kingdom where it's an idiot buffet where stupid people are dying because they're doing stupid things. Um, then we get to the third movie and the third movie has some really good, very creepy visuals and some creepy stuff going on, but that's like 20 minutes of the movie. The other hour and ten minutes of it is just blah. And it's so undercut and it's so underdone and they had so many cool things put in. Like the second movie is Godzilla is Godzilla um City Under Fire. And they, they paint that Mechagodzilla is effectively this giant robotic city now, which controls all of this stuff. And I'm like, Oh, we're going to have God, a Godzilla attack and fight an entire city. This is going to be awesome. And nope, that doesn't happen. Then we get to the third movie, and they, they set up King Ghidorah as this interdimensional, like, Cthulhu-esque eldritch horror. And it, it does stuff and kills people in ways that shouldn't – it shouldn't be able to kill them, but it does it. And it's like it's so creepy, and it's so really weird, kind of, kind of cultic. And almost religious effigies. Plus, it also messing with gravity and time. And it's like, sir, it's like, tell me what's going on in the engine room, sir. According to this, the engine room was destroyed ten minutes ago, and they are still getting messages from the engine room as they're dying. And it's like, it's weird, creepy shit like that. It's like Event Horizon kind of shit. It's freaking mm. cool. I loved it. Um, like they set up so much stuff to there, but it it left such so little impact on anything that it almost wasn't worth making. Like, it gets shat on by the by the Godzilla community for being terrible movies. I'm like, ah, I can kind of see they're terrible movies. They have good things in there, but they don't deliver on a lot of the stuff that they set up. Can I real quick ask, like, what was it that made that other show, like, the one with the blonde into Galactic Princess, like, what was it that made that uncomfortable? Just because, like, I've been hearing a lot of, like, murmuring about it, I never actually got, like, a full-on answer. So, what happened, what what brought out for me was that, you know, the, the two characters start off as roommates, because the star, the name of the character, name of the princess, is living with Marco's family. And Marco is uh, like maybe a second generation uh, Hispanic immigrant. I, I, I want to say Mexican mm. because they have a lot of that Mexican style, that, that kind of uh, stylistic choices for their house and, and stuff. And the last name is Diaz. So that's, it's a really big yeah. jump, jump, I know. So just so don't, don't at me, bro. Um, 
vaguely vaguely brown is yeah. the term I've heard. So what happens in the first season is there's there's a little bit of like teenage high school drama kind of stuff going on. You know, nothing that you wouldn't expect from something about that age group kind of thing. Where Marco's trying to get with um a girl who's a skater girl, you know, kind of cool. And you know, he wants to get with her and Star just is friends with everyone. And it turns it from uh, a show about uh, a show about kind of like the weird, cool high school drama with some really cool, with some really funny things with like an interdimensional princess and like bad guys coming after her kind of thing to where like they're using karate as uh, tied into martial arts earlier um, and magic to beat them and kind of this other stuff. Um, second season kind of made it a little bit more, a little bit less about the relationship as friends, but started tying it into them as them being as the two of them hooking up. Which got to the point where everything started going all to hell because then they bounced back to Star's world for a bit and Marco was – Marco confessed his feelings and started dating the girl that he liked but then realized that he really missed Star. So wants to go back and wants to go back and be with her for a bit. whole bunch of weird shit goes on uh, to the point where uh, Star and Marco start a relationship but then they have to like kill all magic at the end of it, which will separate the worlds, but then Star somehow joins her world and Marco's world together so they can be together. It's just weirdly, weirdly written and weird character progressions for everyone, I think. Um, and it made it uncomfortable because it's like, it made it uncomfortable because there was an event in like season one that was kind of alluded to them being an item, but it would have been better if they were just friends. Uh, turned uh, Star and Marco into a couple. It was like a Blood Moon Ball that ties them together for all eternity. And in season three, there's an episode where they try and break that because they're not comfortable. They want to be with other people, but they can't break that. Well, they try and break that. It's implied that they do, but apparently they don't because they still end up with each other anyway. So it's like any of the relationship choices weren't their, weren't their choice at all. So, yeah, it gets very... It gets very awkward in season three. Like, there's some stuff that was there was good that I liked, but there was also a lot of it was just kind of uncomfortable and just kind of hard to sit through. And I just didn't feel a lot of a lot of the magic that I liked about season one and two. It's if if I can like uh, condense it really quickly down, it a lot of it just came to like complications with like people who really got into like the relationship aspects. Whenever shipping's involved, things get really fucking complicated. Hmm. And because of the way it was handled, the fandom, in turn, got really upset. Because it's like, just the, the relationship, no relationship in there could stick. Half the time, if like, if like, if they weren't in like a really bad relationship, there was like, Star getting cucked memes left and right. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I, I, if, if they kept them just being friends... Throughout all of it, I think it probably would have been better and have them kind of figure out their own relationships without having the Blood Moon Ball thing at the beginning. Because that kind of that kind of killed it a lot. Um yes. But like I said, the, the season one and I like the season one animation because and the thing is I like the show. I still like the show. I just think it was it dis- it disappointed me in its last last season of stuff. But like the first the first season was like really, really fluid and all the characters moved really well and it was really kind of kind of kind of jumpy and a little bit sugar-coated, so it actually looked really fun. Um, and it was, like, a fun place to kind of spend time with, like, some crazy princess who creates a rainbow that bursts into flames and scares away all the animals. Because that's, that's funny. It's like, what is she? 
Like, you know, all of this stuff. It's like, and then you have a, a kid who plays by the rules, but thinks he's a bad boy, who then become, who then they become roommates and friends and kind of all this other stuff. And so you have these weird shenanigans between all of them. I mean, some of them are the really stupid sitcom situations I really hate, but for the most part, they're also done pretty, pretty fun. So season one was good. Season two got a little bit stiffer than season three was just stiff as hell. Animation wise. All right. Uh, I figured I think that one. I was gonna say I'm gonna change my answer instead of just Orimo. We're just I'm just gonna get rid of CP in general. All of it. Oh yeah. So so that and the fandom all. Not not that's that's actually a really solid answer. Every derivative. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna change my answer today. Yeah, I'll. I'll... No, wait, wait. (laughs) If if you take that one, I'm gonna go into uh, Sue files. (laughs) So so you take CP. I take Sue files. Yeah. Cleaning up the world, one horrible group at a time. <laughs> All right, Next okay. Week. This one should be a lot quicker for like to end out this co- this podcast. Uh, so it's just a bunch of numbers in the title: thirty-five, thirty-four, thirty-one, fifty-four, twelve, twenty-four, forty-five, forty-three. That's from this is from Caesar, and he asks, "Who looks better in a bikini?" Uh, me. Bitch, I'm fabulous. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I look fabulous no matter what I'm wearing. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to go with Riser because the fuck off creep clips clip just lives <laughs> directly in my ass. <laughs> you're weirdly enough not the only one, and I I feel really uncomfortable about that. <laughs> <laughs> like that clip has gotten like not even that clip that screenshot. Has gotten so much. That has gotten more traction than some of my my favorite uh, jokes. It, it, I only I only think it's because like the the way the joke ends is just so perfectly timed. Because you just have like you just standing there for like two seconds, and then it's just smash cut to you crying <laughs> in the shower. Because <laughs> my feelings are hurt. Ah, uh, that that whole sequence makes me laugh, bro. That was a while ago. All right. It was a while ago. Uh, yeah, it's a cipher. Uh, okay, uh, I'm 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 gonna let everyone figure out that that code or cipher or whatever that was in that mail. Uh, until next episode, Dia, what do you what do you want to plug? Where can people find you? All right, time for the plugs. All right, you can follow my Twitch streams in which I do stream art I'm working on, as well, which includes Marshall Star. I'll get to that in a minute. As well as video games. I'm currently still doing my video game series. Now that I have internet returned to me this morning, just before the podcast, thankfully, um, I'm streaming the entire Sonic series. So every Sonic game I can get access to, emulation, old school hardware, new school hardware. I'm doing those on twitch.tv slash DracoRaylin. D-R-A-K-O-R-A-L-E-N. You can also find me on DeviantArt at uh, DeviantArt.com. Uh, actually, no, it's not that. It's not that. It's blah. Studios. It's DeviantArt.com slash DR Studios. That's DR hyphen studios. Uh, you can find me on my social media. On, on all the wonderful social media I hardly post on is uh, both uh, for Marsh. For, uh, it's at Deck Real Studios as well as at Marshall underscore star for Marshall star. 
and you can check out the comic Marshall Star, which Chapter 4 work is going on, even though I didn't have internet for a while, at uh, marshallstar.thecomicseries.com. That was a lot. I, 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 I hope you got a, a fucking laundry list of links that you can just give me that I can paste uh, in the, in do, the do description. You, do you want a list? We know how well you did with my previous list. <laughs> well, this, 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 don't worry. You can just like copy paste it directly into the description. It's fine. Mm. Uh, Cloud, do you have anything going on? No. Okay. Damn it, Cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining us. And everyone else in the chat, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye bye. Goodbye! Family gon' 